they had like no rights. Uh, I think like UPN like basically destroyed like they <laughs> like when they went down with the sinking ship with the Titanic, they like took all the rates with them. So Scott Adams got totally obliterated. But Dilbert was my favorite show. Um, one of my favorites, the animated series. Although I don't like Kathy Griffin, but she did do Alice pretty well. That was, um, there, there is that show, and then the almost non-existent, impossible to find Drew Carey show. Were yeah, some yeah. of the best that I can remember just watching, and you can find clips of it on YouTube and stuff. Like it's not particularly hard to get a hold of, but actual physical copies because I don't think it's streaming anywhere. And so it's just like it's a rare gem to see. Basically, yeah. Drew Carey trying to do his own like sitcom, but it's it's more or less half the cast of Whose Line Is It Anyway? Anywhere, so it's perfectly. Uh, it, it's I just used, more of that. I used to watch that show when I came home from school, because like I would try to like wait for Futurama, so I would, like watch that. Uh, but then I ended up liking them. Uh, it was like the Steve Harvey show. It was on Peachtree TV, and it was then it was Drew Carey. Then it was. Uh, um, start a Futurama. Uh, speaking of rare jemmies, I remember a few weeks ago I mentioned the Canadian show Kink. Well, boy, do I have a story for you guys. <laughs> I meant there's no, there's no streaming, no torrent, nothing of it because they used to sell physical copies. Okay, I went through a wild journey, but I managed to attain the whole show. I managed to get a, a download of all five seasons of Kink. From showcase that used to broadcast after trailer park boys if you remember i had to do some very sus things to get it but i have it and i'm probably maybe i will review them so yeah if, if any leafs in the crowd remember right after trailer park boys on monday night they had the show kink i managed to get the <laughs> i managed to get it by uh you know dming a someone but anyways <laughs> Yeah, it was it was Geo's eternal search for uh content to review that's utterly depraved knows no bounds. <laughs> yeah, that's great. But anyways, um I I'm I totally have to retweet your um the yeah, so uh Oh I'm glad that I'm not alone. Yeah, the Drew Carey show was great. Frasier only on the S N E S I feel bad when I'm starting to up, like, I'm going to be uploading these to Spotify and Apple Podcasts this month. I do, yeah. And so it's going to be fun when I eventually, like, have to introduce a brand new audience of listener to the ever-lovable YouTube chat where we have people like Spasticus Autisticus and Frasier only on the SNES. Oh, my God. You know, you'd be surprised. Spotify does get consistent views. Like, um, it, it, uh, it does, it actually is rewarding you know because like you'd be surprised how just like not even interacting with those people how you'll get numbers so um yeah it's amazing but uh well even in twitter right where like we've talked about it before like your youtube audience and the people that you interact with on youtube are often not the same people you interact yeah. with on twitter and so i'll be in gcs and they're like oh yeah prudes of a, a youtube person like you know i'm not a twitter poster i'm not yeah. a, a thread guy so it's just like totally different uh, ecosystems that all interact. But it's always fun when you get to see bizarre crossovers like that. Uh, this is the second time Vanity Fair has written an article about, quote unquote, the new right 
and it features all of my mutuals, but not myself. Um, yeah, me too. I'm disappointed at that. Yeah, a little. Yeah, same. I think that uh, I would have pierced the uh, media landscape by now, but so be it. So be it. I mean, I'm sure the CBC will write a hit piece on me one day, but that'll <laughs> that'll be uh, oh, I'm sure. Well, I know it's coming for. Eventually, it'll come for our friend uh, Turnip Seed, nonetheless. Oh yeah, recent uh, theological battles with the LCMS. Yeah, but uh, before, <laughs> but uh, yeah, the Scott Adams clip was wild. Um, but any, anyways, uh, I had this rant I was going to do about people saying that. If you if you like chubby women that you don't appreciate beauty, I mean, just to Peter, I said this to Starbard, and I'm going to call him out. Okay, that little, never mind, never mind. But I said I'm like, you mean to tell me that Peter Paul Rubens does not appreciate beauty? Oh, I get it because he was of a certain ethnicity, then therefore he doesn't really appreciate beauty. I get it. Okay, but I mean, if you look at you look at Rubens' women, how can you not say that he didn't appreciate beauty? I mean, I don't know these like these t- like listen, as, like listen. I love my mutuals, okay. I love Med Gold, but he's wrong, okay. He's wrong. I think that women that are a bit of you know, never mind, never mind. I'm I'm just saying, just saying, okay. Um, no, but I do get it. Like, there's a limit, of course. Like a huge fat woman, obviously, but like, uh, um, like listen, Renault fault women. Come on. Come on. It's not. I like how this is a mandatory within the first 15 minutes of every show. We have to have <laughs> Geo's women rants. I should yeah. I should do more work into these, like what Dimes does on Blood Satellite, and just start editing these little graphics and sound bits on a soundboard. <laughs> Geo's women rants. You know, just have little... That could be your shorts. Just take little clips from these and put them on over yeah. there. You should. I have to get... I have to, like... I've been lazy with shorts lately. I gotta keep doing that. Um, but... No, oh, it's just... <laughs> well, it's funny because like AA has AA has gotten to the point where he's rather large and it has a YouTube like manager or someone like who directly deals with his channel and stuff. Oh man! And so they've been pushing him to put up shorts, and so his like studio backlog for YouTube shorts is uh, quite large, and so I can't wait for my subscription feed to be spammed with Nothing all sorts shorts. of shorts. It's uh, it's always there. I really, I really just. I really should get on on TikTok. I mean, that's what default wants, but I'm like, I don't know. Um, that's kind. Of, I know, I know. Uh, Cobra has. Oh, sorry, Spinach Bra has. Um, you know, he made a meme of himself, Spinach Bra. I'm like, bro, like he's embracing the coal. He made a soy jack of himself. Um, but <laughs> I mean, he had no problem posting a, a picture of himself looking over like a mountain vista, knowing full well that everyone was going to, you know, go out and try and guess his height. <laughs> brave, brave man. Like the one Biggie Slunk video where he's next to, uh, he guessed his height by being next to this Minions like dispenser thing. <laughs> that was with Mr. Beast video. Mr. Beast gives out money for, uh, looks max surgery to incels that was great and then at the end like trump's like oh, is that <laughs> oh that was hilarious but anyways well welcome what we, we were originally gonna yeah sorry you go sorry producer. oh yeah so welcome sorry. everybody this is episode 32 of the digital archipelago i thought i would take a, a play off of the the going term of phrase i guess that people are trying to use sensitive young men 
And <laughs> we're going to talk about sensitive old figureheads because yeah. this week has been a crazy week in terms of gatekeeping, hit pieces, and regular nonsense that we see all the time. But it just seems to be everywhere all at once. We've had Lomez giving a rather tame description of the Longhouse in regards to In First Things, which led to Patrick Deneen losing his absolute mind. We've uh, watched tough. four tough. or five articles now in hit piece on Raw Nationalist. There's one that came out in Compact Mag just today. There's and- more. Oh, there, yeah, there's well, yeah. there's been like three or four over the last couple of weeks. And then, um, I mean, the inevitable ongoing battles that we see all the time in the issue of gatekeeping. And I think that that'll be a fun discussion for us to have today. Because some of this is just kind of sad. Because one of the things I noticed was that regular old folks with like Lomez's piece was like, oh, you know, there's a, a blog, um, uh, Alistair's Adversaria, and he wrote literally the same sort of issues in 2016. It's called The Crisis of Discourse, Part 2, A Problem of Gender, which I'll link mm. in the I'll link in the chat if you want to read it. And um, to me, it was rather funny because the article cites very similar things that Lomez did, and uh, although his reference is Christopher Hitchens. Uh, which is the women, why women aren't funny, which Skeptical Waves has recorded, and it got attention. <laughs> and all the comment sections were basic. It's basically the um, "What if you didn't have breakfast this morning?" meme. It's like, well, what do you mean women aren't funny? And it's just a, it's a good time, but it's just been an absolute mess uh, in its own strange little ecosystem, which I think is rather a small ecosystem. I think as large as the followings are, I still think it's relatively small in comparison to say more establishment outfits maybe maybe funding would be better to say maybe not so much following yeah no doubt um what was that leading up to oh because like i thought we were going to talk about uh uh, artwork this one but i guess like well oh there's artwork (laughs) to discuss i mean there are some beautiful pieces of art that have been recently on display that I'd love. Um, the most recent work of art that I think could be framed in one concise picture and caption would be the story begins, the adventures of a man who just started noticing things. And that's because Scott Adams. <laughs> um you said so, it. Like, yeah. uh, he said it. Uh, he's just like he. He's 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 the There's gears no are turning. Us. There's no There's fixing no us. There literally isn't. The, uh, well, I mean, <laughs> apart from a few things, trying to hate group. Oh. Yeah, yeah. Oh, just, so here here's the fun question. Um, by the way, Sneed those super chats. I saw one means. already. Uh, why is the breakfast question a meme? Is because there was this is a rather infamous green chat uh, green text on 4chan, which at this point. God only knows how much of that is bots, chat GPT, and whatever. I think the moment oh, it yeah. started getting popular, and once the phrase include me in the screenshot got added, it was the death of all things. But, uh, you know, there was a famous little thread that says that certain IQ ranges have difficulties with hypothetical uh, questions. Yeah. And one of them, of course, being the the classic, well, well how would you have felt, you know, conditional hypotheticals, how would you have felt um, if you did not eat breakfast this morning? But I did eat breakfast. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but how would you felt if you didn't? Um, and that's the that's the meme. I actually didn't eat breakfast. How does that make you feel? I'm used to it now because I fast every day. So oh, good. Yeah, that's part of my thing. So, oh, no, I think I'm too far <laughs> 
How did you feel about it? Like, how, what do you mean? <laughs> yeah, you do. But <laughs> you do get used to it after a while. Um, it sucks. Like the first month in the summer, I did it. It sucks, man. But after a while, like your body starts to get used to it, and you don't feel like as uh, lightheaded anymore. But before this, we were talking with Dilbert, the animated series, and why we talked about UPN. But anyways, yeah, yeah. So hypotheticals, um, I believe. No, yeah, that's unfair, Fishy, because he didn't know about the meme. But it, I remember when it was on, <laughs> That was so funny. It was with you and Eugipius. <laughs> like, what do you mean? Uh, what do you mean? I did I eat breakfast this morning. I did eat breakfast this morning. No, this um, won't be a total drama stream, Lewis. But uh, there's just there's <laughs> so much to laugh at, though, from... The one thing that I I, fe- I would be remiss if we didn't bring up, and this will give a chance for Geo to get his the rest of his stuff out and about, yeah. uh, would be uh, the North Atlantic Treaty Organization's Twitter account. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just, just going to share it on stream. This is what a long thread. A little bit. I'm going to let everyone just have a fun look at this. Post some Z's in the chat, fellas. <laughs> Pussies in the chat. He's <laughs> hosting one of the great epics of the century. We are Harry Potter and William Wallace, the Navi and Han Solo. We're escaping from Shawshank and blowing up the Death Star. We are fighting with the Harkonnens and challenging Thanos. Where? Just hear that to Poodler's recent speech, and then you'll see what I mean. So it's um... well, actually, this is the this is something that I was talking with christopher sandbatch about um earlier because i thought that this is this is a fun little dialectic game that they're not actually there there's some competency here and it may not be the people who tweeted this out like it's not going to be the moron you know mid-20s intern that like has successfully gotten a job and thinks that they're going to go somewhere um but there is a dialectical bit that plays here into it and i think that this is sort of important here because um you know he messaged me because i posted this on telegram um and i had said some things about it but it's just uh this is the cringiest twitter stuff i've ever seen not your comments but the pictures because there's also an article in foreign policy which i'm going to be recording later this evening for um patrons on Subscribestar and uh substack called uh what the marvel cinematic universe can teach us about geopolitics and um I, I told uh, he I replied to him and I said I said this stuff is really easy to counter signal in regards to saying this is cringe this is bad this sort of feeds into what our opponents or what you know non NATO well right exactly um, and I said but all of this um, can easily buy into the counters from the Ruskies that say oh the U S is so gay which pits people counter signaling the regime right into the optics trap of their foes and I said it's almost clever because I don't know how smart these people actually are. He replied to me and he had said, well, it's really fun when you start noticing how the machine brain working behind all this cringe actually is. This is weaponized cringe. This is cringe psyops. Yeah. Um, it's like what all, Thomas said yeah. about sending clowns to the rest of the world. So, yeah. <laughs> All the group dynamics is about simplifying the world into wedge questions. Just a long series of yes or no answers, which I mean is the perfect way to determine friend versus enemy because wedge questions lead to states of exception against those who say no to the right sort of wedge question um and he's now convinced me to read some more uh you know marvin minsky about k lines as nick land likes to call them k gorillas but i mean this <laughs> is where we're at and yeah tricky that was something that oren mcintyre pointed out was that this is a oren mcintyre s- satirical tweet 
that comes true. I mean, this is the inevitable bit about right-wing Twitter or conspiracy, quote-unquote, Twitter, is, is that give it six months and it's reality. Yeah, it's hyperstition. Um, I think Eugippius had the best take where he said that it, it's like sort of um, the like the Western world, like this sort of rules-based order has gutted itself of like so many different um, mythological remnants that the only thing we're left with is like literal Marvel superhero movies um, like that are integral to sort of like forming the narrative, you know? And I feel like it's, it's one of those things where I feel like even like commenting on, it's like so ridiculous that like, like, it's not just that these institutions, like you could say that, and I truly believe this, that they weren't worthy of respect to begin with. Right. I mean, NATO is always a crock, but at the same time, I do feel like um, these institutions, they have uh, sort of debased themselves to such an extent that they feed into uh, the sort of like total spectacle. But, but like this, like, okay. Yeah. Some intern just like posted this, and it's it is what it is, right? Like say no more. It's almost as if we're exhausted of takes. But at the same time, I mean, yeah. So this is a yeah. this is a journalist who decided to join the armed force, the AFU. Oh, this is wow. his story, um, and it's like a, a ten point thread. But this have is... fun getting domed in a trench and back, but uh, you know, by some Wagner conscript. <laughs> but uh, like, you know, yeah, go, sorry, go ahead, pretty good, yeah. Um, what what is okay? I'm going to stop sharing the cringe for now. But what does it illustrate that while this is sort of I said this I said while easy to fodder while this is easy fodder for pundits and propagandists this is re- remarkably confessional to the fact that the Western civic religion has long dropped its poetic eddas and songs of Roland for cape shit. Mm-hmm. If your national icons are merely fandoms and consumer identities, how well does that stand when you're asking people to give up their lives on that plastic altar? Yeah. Not that those in charge truly believe in any of this. They're far more Machiavellian than I think that a lot of people give them credit for. Um, but it's an important thing to remember in all of this mess. My, my odd take is that they will, actually. It's very effective. Like, it's like that. Yeah. So, so uh, Sasan Haberi mentioned that journalist of a certain trans persuasion that recently got injured. By, and you know what's funny though is uh, she, uh, you know, fought in uh, that particular battalion um, that we all know, right? So <laughs> yeah, that say what you will about you know Russian telegram channels, they always uh, make a point of putting a certain rainbow flag <laughs> whenever they discuss NATO or uh, certain battalions. But that being said, like my hot take is that it actually is effective because people will run these narr because they have sort of like replaced. Um, sort of mythological narratives in the head of certain people. And I I feel like as much as we can point out that this is cringe, that, you know, people are going to die for a Marvel film. The reality is, is that, yeah, people will die for a Marvel film or rather people will die for the world that produces the ephemera of the entertainment industry. You know what I mean? Yeah, please. I'm only using the pronouns because of YouTube, but uh, you know, because <laughs> the prude recently got to uh, was it eight, ten k? What do you got? Nine, nine k. Okay, yeah. I'm almost at five k. Um, I like to think I built a channel towards ten k, but well, let's not drag up ancient history, right? Um, <laughs> <laughs> you know that it's you know I kind of it does kind of make well, me a bit th- better. This is though, the ultimate. You know? your, your point though, and you mentioned this earlier because I think I just someone had 
When was this? Yeah, uh, Khalifa well, I to had quoted the differences between the two, between mythologies. But yeah, go ahead. Pritzel. No, well, the thing is, is that we've we've talked about a little bit of this before um, in episode twenty four, materialism today, because someone had just recently liked. Uh, that was a good Khalifa. title, actually. <laughs> that I, was a great one. I, that was a good episode too. And yeah, the, the clip was talking about literally what we're discussing here. And I was listening yesterday to uh, tr- uh, Charles Haywood's um, claim that the regime is way more fragile than he thinks, mm. and he doesn't buy into the sort of quote unquote wokeism as a as a religion sort of bit because his argument against it is is that well it lacks any transcendent qualities. That unlike, say, uh, the, the Christian idea of transcendence, say, deification, right, or yeah. um, communion with God in the Eucharist or in death. and Or any sort faith. of, like, samsara, um, really, you know, any sort of, like, moksha or, well, I mean, you know, you wouldn't call Buddhism a transcendental system, but, you know, yeah, basically. But, yeah, right? And so he says that because it lacks that, its religiosity is not as strong as people think it is. And you had made the same, you had made a claim in, in the episode 24 where I think that we're going to see that be put to the test. Because I think that there are people that are willing to die for this. Oh, um, yeah. Did I make that claim? Yeah, yeah. you did. I, the Khalifa literally had clipped it. Uh, on Twitter, I'll retweet it in a minute. Yeah, sure. <laughs> oh man, that's crazy. Uh, I I forget half the things I say. Um, but like, yeah, yeah. No, I I think that you know when people there was this thread once. Okay, it was some anime, and by the way, re, it was some VTuber. It was some VTuber, and uh, you know, recently this VTuber got into hot water because she said like, like I lived through my childhood lo- loving Harry Potter. I don't care. I'm going to play as a wizard. I don't care what freaks say on, on Twitter, right? And all of a sudden, the same freaks that you know the ones I'm talking about on Twitter basically destroyed this person. And, and like, something... Like, I, I remember this one tweet said that, like, I, I can't believe you you care about a video game more than trans lives. And I'm thinking, like, if these people make it to, like, 40 years old, right? We know this just ain't good. But I'm saying, like, li- listen, okay, I want to make a joke. Let me be as serious as possible. I, I don't want to like make the 40% joke, whatever. But I'm saying like a lot of these people, when they make it to middle age and they look back on their life and like, wow, I got pissed off at a video game, right? And I thought that this video game is a direct assault metaphysically to my identity as a trans VTuber. I'm like, wow, that's... Like, we could look at it from the outset as ridiculous, right? But I'm saying, like, when you look at the overall apparatus of how most people live their lives in these sort of, like, not just media bubbles, but I'm talking about, like, the way that the culture industry instantiates someone's identity in general, you can easily see that people will fight and die for not just their entertainment, but the sort of identity that drives them towards these certain you know beliefs and conclusions so the question that this one vtuber did this was like last year it was a few years ago actually that it was a viral thing where um what's the difference between like reading the any odds of course they're too stupid to know about the any odds he said what's the difference between reading the odyssey and uh watching um you know the last of us or whatever right so of course we could look at it that it's like this is ridiculous right this is terrible there is an obvious difference because the any odd or 
the the Odyssey spoke to the very foundation of like Western history, right? Uh, you know, I would say world history. It spoke to the foundation of a people. And even though they don't have the same like mythological pull in like, you know, a post-Platonic, uh, you know, post-Greek civilization world, they still have a sort of a memory that runs deep within the very like spiritual DNA of a people, right? Not just the Greeks, but I would say like Western European civilization in general. And you could say that these culture industry products that they're not going to be remembered. I don't even think Star Wars or Star Wars would be. Blah. Sorry, my, I'm getting. Tired. I don't think it will either. I mean, I yeah. I, I would side very clearly because there's an XKCD comic. I know I'm invoking cringe, but he did talk about that. Like eventually, there will be a timeline where this stuff dies, and the the comic ends with like, "May the force be with you." And it's like, "Well, what is yeah. that?" And he's like, "Something my grandmother used to say." Um, yeah, and it's I I think that these things will die off eventually because. God, there's so much franchise fatigue. I yeah. The only reason no, but, why I know like Andor exists is because like Morgoth did a video on it. Yeah, yeah. No, but my point being is that um, <laughs> Gamergate was sign of the end times. Never existed. Uh, yeah, yeah. Gamergate never existed. There you go. Um, no, but I think that there are obviously differences. But when it comes to like the the sort of phenomenological experience of like. You grew up on Harry Potter. You didn't grow up on the Ennead, right? You didn't grow up on the, you know, on the Blind Owl. You didn't grow. What, what's another national mythic, right? Like you didn't grow up on. Um, it's hard to say if you, if if America has like a national. Well, you didn't mythic. grow up on the stories of Paul Bunyan. You didn't grow yeah, up on any Huckleberry of the Finn. on the fall. Yeah, you didn't grow up with Mark Twain. You didn't grow up with Lewis and Clark. You didn't grow up with Paul Bunyan. You didn't grow up with Johnny Appleseed. You grew up with J.K. Rowling. You grew up. Yeah, you grew up on J.K. Rowling. You grew up on the prequels. You grew up on the Marvel Cinematic Universe and yeah, really crappy Vine. You know, turned YouTube celebrities. Right, but I think like. The the more I'm examining, like I, I was I was watching this. Um, I, I think it was like a recent, more recent Caribbean rhythms where he's like talking about like proto Marxists and the E right, like Tink Sorg. And I'm thinking like you know as compelling as the commodification argument is, and it is, it does it, like less. It is due to like late capitalism, commodification, all that stuff, right? But I'm saying like beyond that though, there is probably another explanation there probably is sort of like some kind of like very um unconscious like archetypal content going on in terms of like who runs what um who determines the sort of productions that are produced by the culture industry who determines even like why they become so fabulized there's a very long history there of like how things have manifested in the way they did and i think that like, okay, is Hollywood a bastardization in some regards of old mythological tales? Yeah, of course. There's always going to be various archetypal content at the base of it. But at the same time, I mean, when you look at the way that they they totalize someone's experience at a very young age, you can say that they do become mythological content on their own, but they become so in a very, like, Ertzatz, um, very like pastiche sort of way, right? I mean, at the same time, it's true what Young said, a fantasy is a fact, right? The fact that someone can say that, you know, I lived through Harry Potter, I lived through this and that, it's like, yeah, to them, it's real. Not not that it's real, but like to them, 
the same like meaning of like an experiential phenomenon is real. It's is it as real as a Greek um, as a Greek sensitive young man in an agora being taught by Aristotle, uh, reading the you know reading the Odyssey and reading the Iliad? Is it just as real? Is Harry Potter as real to that VTuber as it is to them? No, probably not. But at the same level, there is something there. And it would be imprudent, <laughs> a little pun there, imprudent, to ignore that reality to why an official, like, let's face it, an, a NATO intern, like an intern, work, a millennial intern working for NATO would pose such cringe is because there is a pull there. There is, and I feel like it is worthy of study in some regard that you could say, that, okay, why it's just cringe, it's cool, it's whatever. But at the, at the end, there's this long chain that was produced by the culture industry that arrived us at this place where we can look at very real geopolitical implications. Whatever you say about it, as we've said many times in the show, as I've said elsewhere, that this war will probably determine the course of history for at least the next few decades, if not more, right? So to, to think of things in such, cav- such a cavalier manner, you know, yeah, it's cringe, of course, but why though? And I think that's, that is important to examine it. It, it probably is important to like what people like, you know, Morgoth and, and uh, Blackpill and so forth, like what they do in, in like examining pop culture, because at the end of the day, this is what most people experience. Most people are not going to read um, even like novels anymore. Do people read, maybe some people read novels and NFA programs, but do people read like serious, like maybe they'll read Franson, maybe they'll still read Christian. God forbid they still read Stephen King, but are they going to read, you know, things that are like proper novels? Are there any proper novelists anymore nowadays? um maybe oh, uh, i you, don't uh, i don't read, know go read Faisal's book he, you know, <laughs> go go read yeah go go read or go walk through any barnes and noble books a million or non well, any chain bookstore I, I don't know what the respective yeah. equivalent is in canada but the the thing that i've noticed with all of them is is that a lot of these are established names uh you know there's a, there's always another you know ghost written dean Koontz novel there's always something written or you know had featured by uh, Stephen King, or even presidents get in on it now. Or there was one about um, one written by Hillary Clinton, and also one by Bill Clinton, and other stuff. And it's always sucks. Uh, yeah, in the same way. Like what even irks me is is that like I grew up, and because my dad and my family and I, we all loved the movie Sahara, which is based off a Clive Cussler novel, which actually killed any future film adaptations of Clive Cussler novels. Um, really? Eh? Yeah. Oh, it bombed at the box office, but I I liked the movie. I mean, it's still schlock. It's still bad, uh, but I like that movie a lot, and I still like it a lot. It's I think it holds up pretty well. It's absolutely it, you know shooting down a helicopter with a Civil War ironclad cannon inside sub-Saharan yeah. African desert is pretty damn funny. Um, but I read the books and on long car rides from say El Paso to where um, my folks are, you know. Uh, we would listen to Clive Cussler novels. And I'm like, these are actually really good. And, you, but again, it's sort of, you know, he's passed away and he also did a lot of like self-inserting of himself as this like rich tycoon that would conveniently save the characters. But his like sons have picked up on it now. And I've noticed that, and I saw that really harrowing bit where a lot of schools are doing a, um, they're like, oh, by like fourth grade, most kids can't do, can't read or do math. Yeah. And, 
it does. I think that the novel is dead because the medium of where pop culture, even pretentious pop culture. So 30 years ago, what was it? It was infinite jest and it was gravity's rainbow. Yeah. 30 years later, you have streamers, you have YouTubers, you have memes, TikToks, challenges, and all sorts of stuff. And I think that does illustrate that if you can dumb someone down, right, it makes it a lot easier to control them. I mean, that's just sort of Machine Basics 101. But I don't know where the next, I don't know if the the novel comes back. I mean, we've got novels on our side that have written good books and have written fiction that I quite appreciate. I don't think that they're War and Peace or the Brothers Karamazov, but they're good works for what they are. Like I'm always going to recommend Tan Baltic's Nutcranker or Viniculum by our good friend Semiagog, uh, Oliver Perrin. And those are, they're good for what they are. But I do think that the novel will probably fade away. And it's made an interesting bit where today's counterculture, you know, and this is something that Jay Bird and, and the distributors were talking about, um, a few months ago was that you know the even the whole concept of raw eggs or raw milk you know that was mm. like a hardcore shit lib counter signal 20 years ago even yeah, 15 was. years ago it was still a pretty hardcore you know california hippie thing the same thing with aversions to certain medical inoculations all of which i think illustrates that that side has kind of fully subsumed itself into the consumer identity. It was no longer, you know, you're part of the regime and you're part of the system. No, I, I think that the mask has just sort of slipped to where fandoms and plastic altars and saccharine religions, because in the West, in our, I guess, decadence would be the appropriate word, not to sound like I'm hampering too hard on hmm. the West as it is. It's got its own problems. Lord knows that we talk about it every day, but I think that one of the bigger issues that we're going to face is, is that in a cavalcade of consumer identities that serve as great forms of propaganda. I mean, in fact, Intellectual Takeout was had taken advantage and wrote an article about, uh, and that's Chronicles Magazine's thing. They had an article about the Yellowstone meme and yeah. woke programming. And I know that you and Oren McIntyre and Last Thing or Last Things were talking about that as well a couple of weeks ago. Hey, apparently, I'm going to be on with uh, Oren and Last Things this Monday. Oh, fantastic. There you Great go. News. We're talking about right-wing postmodernism. Let's go. Yeah. Actually, I have a question about that for you that we can yeah, get into sure. today. because Oh, and speaking of Gravity's Rainbow, we'll get into that as well. <laughs> <laughs> that, one, that one account. That one account um, named Gravity's Rainbow, which is great. Uh, I why, think... do, why do left like why do like irony leftists like picked up like it's, I remember when Bat like he's counter signal logo. Yeah. He's like uh, people need Thomas peaked on or other boring stuff nobody cares about. Like, like you know, he was like just hammering Logo. Um, and I love how Logo, like he had the moment of sympathy from everybody recently and just snatched it away by simping for the Chinese and their, let's call it speaking of dietary practices. Um, did you see that? No, <laughs> that was hilarious. I did see the video of, uh, like I guess that Chinese couple taking those like giant salamander looking lizards and turning yeah. them into a meal. Yeah, like a succulent Chinese <laughs> meal. Um, where you know, I just as soon as I see a, 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 a Chinese or an Asian child with a pet, I just don't want to watch the rest of the video. <laughs> it's like seeing the live yeah. leak uh, watermark on a construction site. You just don't want to. Yeah, yeah, but you can't. But you can't look away though. It's oh, well, I guess like it. it <laughs> Yeah, it's it's like yeah. it's like East Palestine. You can't look away. 
Oh my god. Like no, but what happened was for those who don't know, Logo was bombed with the Sam Hyde mass casualty incident. Um like yeah, people like the 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 clip with the vape, you know? Um and, oh, yeah, where he's is, flipping off the picture and everything like that. Yeah, it was about the what what university got the got it. What I forget. Like it seems like it happened a century ago, but it happened only last week. Um what university was that? Was it in uh, Chicago? I believe it in Missouri or MSU. Yeah, yeah. So there was like media outlets that like thought it was logo, but then like it wasn't. Like people like it was a Sam Hyde esque, you know, type of meme. Cause yeah, Michigan, Michigan, uh, yeah, yeah, Michigan. So, um, logo, uh, you know, it's funny cause the, you know, anime racist, they'll like post logos picture when someone like challenges them, like once you face reveal coward and it's like a picture of logo. It's a picture of logo vaping and flipping the camera off. Yeah. It's, but you know, we were talking about it and I'm like, yeah, it's terrible. You know, that type of like info hazard. But then, you know, Logo, he received, like, immense sympathy from people, right? But what does he do? He, like, destroys it by saying that, like, I don't care if, like, dogs and, like, other animals get slaughtered. <laughs> like, because, you know, Logo, he's got to, like, sim for the Chinese now. So it's, like, he immediately in that moment had to, like, <laughs> destroy every, like, <laughs> all the good faith. Of all these like new eyeballs looking at his account, <laughs> like it was, like logo, what are you doing? I think it does illustrate though, and we talked about this in DMs. But yeah. one, okay, so that that event happened to where um, the shooter was black. Oh, no was, one talks about it. That's why. Oh, no one talks about. Well, I mean, yeah. but I find it kind of disturbing, and I know that I this is not to. I, I yeah. find it incredibly powerful to where, you know, even sort of the same shit that Spinach brought gets to deal with where people make like AI deep fakes of all sorts of stuff. Yeah. To yeah. where a guy called Lindy Walker, which of Lindy course, Walker. that's the meme, but the, the name was spelled out L-Y-N-D-E-E -E oh, is the middle name, man. Walker. Sort of a believable white person's name in the United States to be yeah. the victim. And, you know, they had all these histories and chats. And of course you can edit, you know, anything to look like anything that yeah. had people going for about a solid 15, 20 minutes that he was the perpetrator of this event. And I thought, well, how incredibly powerful, um, you know, that that kind of weaponization of Twitter can be used because that's where people go to for like breaking news and live action resources because yeah, exactly. uh, even, um, even with the El Paso event that happened a few years back now, that was the same thing. People were looking for information on Twitter to know where things were possibly happening and how to seek cover and all sorts of stuff. Was it the Sam Hyde one? No, well that happened obviously, but I mean, no, when I was, I, I lived, I lived there when that event happened and there were people saying that, you know, not, it wasn't just Walmart, but there were other stores being attacked as well at the same time. And so uh, you know that kind of weaponization i think is incredibly powerful and i i don't know how i can feel about it other than to say god bless i really don't want that to ever happen to me yeah or me like you said that you're like imagine if something happens in canada and people would like use your photo i'm like yeah oh, the photo man. of you painting yeah yeah <laughs> holy crap oh man that yeah that would be terrible um yeah, you're right. It shouldn't happen. Um, but 
but I think like, uh, anyways, we didn't finish your thought about gravity's uh, rainbow. Um, no, I mean, films now have become like pretentious pop in a way, like certain films. Um, but yeah, anyways, we're all over the place. No, I, well, we gotta, I think you still, I still yeah. have to watch Satan's tank. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Uh, you know, oh, speaking of film, I'm not joking to you, by the way, I'm not, this is no word of a lie. No word of a lie. When that, the night that that, Thing happened in Michigan and like logo you know got bombed on I was watching the Daily Wire uh, mass fun post school film no word of lie no word of lie because uh, <laughs> and it's the same theme about what's like your, social what's, media what's your take? I thought it was actually pretty good but it was like the most incoherent film I've ever <laughs> seen like it was like so like We'll get to it when we review it. Um, oh, but, think, uh, run, hide, fight. That one. That one. Yeah, run, hide, fight. Yeah. Okay. Then yeah. Uh, well, um, we, run three, from Sam. Three hide movies and fight. they have. They have three movies. They have run, more than hide, that, fight. Shut in. Oh, I just I just googled Daily Wire movies. Yeah. Yeah. So run, hide, fight, which is the mass fun poster event. Yeah. Shut, shut in. in. And Where the Vincent Gina Carano. The Gina Carano Terror on the Prairie Western. Yeah, I gotta find that. Um, man, I will torrent probably all three of those. But we'll, we will review the Daily Wire cinematic universe. <laughs> but go on, Gina Carano, man. It's uh, no, but I just found it coincidental that I was like watching that film and I was like looking at my phone and seeing like logo is being accused of a fun posting event. So it's like, man, uh, reality does. You know, I, I noticed like I, I do have a lot of synchronicities throughout my life where I can, you know, um, but anyways, um, yeah. So about pop culture and media, like it, it's no surprise that like this is the experience of people. And as millennials take like more positions of, I wouldn't say full power, but managerial power, uh, then you'll start to see more of this coal, more of this cringe, because of, of course, as you know, millennials, um, I feel like don't exactly have the same like meme plexes that zoomers do. And, uh, you Oh, and also another update. I, I just saw my feed here that, uh, Turkey Tom did a video re- that came out a few minutes ago, uh, on that VTuber that I was talking about. She got doxxed apparently by, uh, the anti JK Rowling people. So there you go. That's evidence that, uh, playing a video game, well, now get your life ruined because people care so much about media. Well, uh, and I saw this screen capped earlier since we're on the, because again, there is a religiosity to these things. I, I, I actually kind of disagree with Haywood's point about that. Mm. There is no transcendence because if you don't care about death and that this was the point I was trying to get at about uh, the Western sort of decadence thing is, is that if you live in such a material wealth of conditions to where even people who are quote unquote poor are either, you know, have access to, to televisions, live streaming, etc. Which never happened before. And they've never had access to fine art or media. That any, well, I mean, they did in some ways, but not. Sure. In well. some instances, but I mean, in this day and age where they can wield so much influence because they have access to it, even though they are some lowly person that in previous eras, they would have been uh, looked at on the street and, you know, they would have told their kids not to look at them or to cross the street uh, in a not so subtle fashion. But 
you know, there was a, a screenshot I saw where some individual trans person had said, once again, you know, I have so much influence, the sort of egomaniacal form of like, you know, I am, I am a God type deal where yeah. they had said that, you know, if you're going to play the game, you should have the opportunity to hide your achievements. And then lo and behold, there was some Polygon article that said, oh, they've now updated the game so you can hide your achievements on Steam that so people don't know that you're playing this Harry Potter game. And it was absolutely um, bizarre to know that <laughs> the culture that we are engaging in today is being rapidly controlled and dominated and has been for a considerable length of time, especially in the rise of the internet, that caters and beholds and fetishizes impoverished, mentally ill, and disabled mentally or physically individuals in the same way that we're watching D&D have wheelchairs now. Yeah. Of all the things that you can imagine yourself in sword and fantasy, uh, it is now the... We're, we've now entered the... Um, what was that god-awful Tom Hanks movie, Mazes and Monsters movie that he was said? Was that the one? Yeah, it was the Tom Hanks 1980s, like, satanic panic, sort of, like, don't play D&D, because, like, I'll jump off a building, and I'll think I'll be fine. But now it's just ran by people that have to dilate, and that's sort of where <laughs> we're at. Oh, man. Um, yeah, Philip, I did enjoy your funeral march. Maybe I'll put it on the next... Uh the next uh, January reviews episode, but um, no, but yeah, I, I feel, you know, what, what was your point there? Um, well, well, my point is, is that where, where is the transcendence hmm. for these people? The transcendence as Spandrel has pointed out and his other, and mystery Grove has famously pointed out. Jonathan Bowden has discussed is, is that at the end of the day, the real transcendent bit is that dopamine rush of oppression that they get, knowing that they are outside of the normative lens of society, that they should not belong here, that they should have been cartered off to the nunnery or the asylum, and nowadays oh, yeah. they get to... Uh, off the to a nunnery. Yeah, uh, yeah, and nowadays they simply just get to go off and do exactly whatever they want. And that's their transcendence, yeah. is the fact that they have escaped what would have been determined to be their actual lot in life because anyone can rise up to anything. And I mean, you even see that sort of class consciousness of sorts, even on the right as well, yes. because you see it, I think a lot in the rural urban discourse stuff. Oh yeah, definitely. I mean, we could talk about that a little bit as well, but uh, no, it is, it is, um, it, you know, it is, it's funny how like these things sort of manifest in real life like the fact that you're willing to like harass someone of your video games, like you know the hiding achievement things. It reminds me of um, my old man playing chess on those chess sites, where like someone will um, create a new account, like a like a chess master will create a new account with like a lower score, like a lower color. Oh, like a sock a, account, so they yeah, can just stand so back like kind of like a pool shark, right? Like that's, <laughs> you know, um, fishy frenzy. When will Fausty go and cut? Well, Fausty has a boyfriend. She'll she'll never be on content. No, I'm kidding. But maybe in the future, <laughs> Fausty will be. There's one interview with Fausty. Someone did that. I'll probably, but I'll probably, you know, she'll probably come on content minded soon. She's a good friend of mine. Um, Chef's Chef's Murphy. Um, uh, no, but yeah, it is funny though. Like, sorry, I can't get that picture of Mystery Grove out of my head. Like obsessing over the new. Uh, the new <laughs> Avatar film. Like, I love those memes. Like, Patrick Casey would, like, talk about Mystery Grove <laughs> going on, going to Avatar, like, seven different times. Um, the new Avatar movie. Uh, but, oh, my God. Uh, no, but, yeah, so, uh, 
the, the pop culture governance is sort of very interesting because okay there's it's not like there's not a precedent for it because mythologies have driven societies to go to war to sacrifice one's life um religious fables as well obviously but i feel like there's a problem with analyzing the sort of one-to-one or chain-like relation between a, a society's mythology and their capacity to produce great things or to produce terrible things such as war I feel like there's, it's too instrumentalized when you look at things in that in that way. Rather, you have to look at things that a, a society's identity and spiritual mission obviously will manifest eventually into some form of struggle that will constitute the lives of those people within that society. And there's a deeper thing going on than just like the media you consume influences who you are, blah, blah, blah. Like... I feel like the problem with a lot of these culture industry products is that they don't have that sort of salience in terms of they can produce collective experiences, but collective experiences of consumption. You have to realize that throughout history, there wasn't a sort of relation between literature and the work of art, the way that we contextualize them. They weren't considered as such. The Iliad was not like a quote unquote work of literature. Um, Painting and artwork and dance and music they weren't really aesthetic objects they constituted a ritualistic practice in a society right they weren't like these franchises if you will they weren't they weren't aestheticized and so when you look at it from that view you can easily see the difference between something like um you know uh the the the, uh, the metamorphoses right uh, the Ennead, you name it, uh, the certain Asian, you know, in Asia, you have like the Ramayana, uh, you know, China, you have various dynasties having various epics and so forth. They have a different relation to like, it's not a mere passive act of consuming a work of art. There's something there that speaks to a very integral form of practice that they have in life and even beyond life. So you can't like, now that like, the media and pop culture has like literally ascended to the point where these franchises determine life and death. I mean, well, that's kind of like, it's, it's a very weird and hideous inversion of going back to like the purpose of what we consider the work of art to these, you know, more ancient peoples, if that makes sense. Um, I don't know where I'm going with this, but I'm saying like, it, you know, it's something, you know, it's something now that I finished my review of Necropolitics, um, it's something that Mumbembe says that like actually representation is enough. In fact, the sort of politics of like this neoliberal obsession over representation that of course is approaching it from like a more of like a Marxist, you know, critical theory, like post-colonial angle, right? Like he would approach it the same way that Tingsorg would approach it. But it's true, though, that representation is sort of like a sideline distraction. And to actually view these, like, epic culture war battles as, like, representation, that that sort of defeats the point. That beyond that is very much, is like nothing, right? To to see yourself being represented in media, it's a very empty victory, right? I mean, is it important? Yeah. But it's how it's important. Is it, you know, as as a Greek you know, as a Greek person growing up in ancient Greece, reading the Iliad, it, that's not representation. That constitutes who you are. 
that's very different than, uh, you know, something like, I don't know, The Last of Us having like a BIPOC girl or a trans woman or whatever. Like it's, it's a very different relation going on. Um, and finally, fishy frenzy. Does Tinksorg have a higher IQ than Mbembe? No, he does not. Mbembe has got, <laughs> I, I I like to think that Akila Mbembe has a higher IQ than Tinksorg. But um, sorry. I mean, I, I've been ranting for a long time. So go ahead, Prude. I'm very sorry. But uh, no, no, no. That was yeah. really good. And I think that that highlights a point that I think not to. I don't want this to be like attacking people by proxy. Sometimes we do that on the show. <laughs> it always happens. But it, it well it does on our usual lol cows because I like to think that uh, Tinksorg is the 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 lol cow uh, I guess of the e right because <laughs> you either just start in posting and or you actually engage with the engage it and then he has a convenient workaround for all of those things by the way. But um, that's. Anyways, yeah, sorry. <laughs> no, so I think that you have a point where the transcendence is the sort of dopamine receptors of representation, that we've made something beautiful ugly. You know, there's a point right. where the ideas of representation, the idea that, well, the transgression is enough. I mean, who's a better example of this? You're roasting by proxy. There is no proxy. That's absolutely right, Mr. Yeah. Anxiety Floppy. Yeah. You're absolutely correct. By the uh, way, Mbembe is from Cameroon, so. Oh, yeah. okay. Oh. Uh, Someone asked in the chat. So, oh, yeah. gotcha, gotcha. No, I can see chat. Yeah, there you go. Um, what's what's the, the point I'm, I guess I'm trying to get across is, is that throughout, as long as there's quote-unquote been this awakening of politics, and this is why I find Gamergate to be so hilariously funny, is, is that the sort of Western system of media had the perfect avenue in which you could keep a large chunk of males contained where it's like, Oh, they're not yeah. going to do anything productive. They can just shout slurs at one another and shoot each other over Xbox, On Xbox live. live. And yeah. remember kids, they can never take away every mean thing you said in 2007 on Xbox live. Oh man. They'll it never was take wild. that away from you. Yeah. It was uh, wild. But the issue at hand is, is that, well, it was never enough. And it's never enough to this day because the way that it goes off is that we are in a point where why does the left always act like it's in perpetual revolution? Because it sets itself to superhuman standards, mm -hmm. transcendental godlike standards that it can never achieve, which always constantly puts it in a state of perpetual revolution. And if you cannot achieve your goals, then you are always in fear of losing power or that you're always in fear of looking um, and taking a step backwards, that we're somehow receding into the woes of, say, fascism or totalitarianism, or as uh, to, to quote the third essay of bioleninism, you'll be left all alone. It's 1950 again. It'll be okay to be white and no one can save you. And all this time, it illustrates that there's a lot of success that those people had pulled off, but it's still not enough for them. Those yeah. great gems in the midst of all of that progressive coal that you have found and the pressures of which, such as like the original Last of Us, which did tell actually a really good story and could yeah, probably yeah. be novelized or it has been ripped from novels elsewhere. And then all of a sudden, now it's like, well, we're going to televise it years later. We're going to remake it. We're going to make a sequel. And we have to kill everything that you like. Ron and Swanson's we have to, gay. and Ron yeah. Swanson's gay. And the reason yeah. for that is because it's never enough to these people. It's all encompassing ugliness. Everyone has to be ugly. Everyone has but to be outside. But they don't see it as ugly, though. That's they, you know, you're absolutely yeah. right. They don't see it as ugly because I feel representation like the right wing, is beautiful. Yeah, they I don't. Feel that, like, that's the thing that the right wing doesn't get 
is yeah. that representation to them is beautiful. It's transcendental. It offers a sense that this is the world that they actually want. There is still that kiliastic utopianism that exists, even in the ugliest aspects of there. And so the right wing will look at something like there was a recent clip of uh, a supermodel runway show where you had sort of a slender Nordic blonde <laughs> woman walking. And then what had transitioned to the next person to come on was an overweight black woman who was an amputee hodling around um, with a prosthetic limb. So many diversity points. Um, so many. It, it, it hits almost all of the intersectional markers. Now, if she's a lesbian, it hits even more. Yet all of those things that um, come out of this is that to them, that's beautiful. And to them, the beauty is in the representation, the beauty that is in for them, whether they believe it wholeheartedly, whether they were programmed into it or not, because sometimes someone just starts to notice things. And even the more boomer takes of people like Scott Adams will start saying ridiculous shit very quickly. Yeah. But that disgust comes out of, for us, it's natural inclination because I think that the right is intrinsically programmed to think things like culture, tradition, hierarchy, beauty, things which has seen a very Nietzschean uh, transvaluation towards the inverse now that is brought up. And so, you know, they want to kill God again. <laughs> yeah. That's where we're at. You know, that runway I was going like the whole time was like, yes, no, maybe, maybe. Yeah. Like, no, no. It's like, so. I'm glad Spasticus <laughs> got us, got you there. Oh man. Uh, I feel like it, it's, um, what they consider beauty, like representation is beauty is that I think they, they would consider like, again, egalitarianism itself is like this wholesome chungus impulse to like love the whole world. We are the world and the fascist beauty standards like worships, like selectivity and the cult of excellence and so forth. And then all of those things inherently lead to values that lead to like the Austrian, the painter of Austrian landscapes, like coming up from the grave again. I feel like that's how, they justify it because like, again, like you people, you may think I'm weird for like enjoying like certain uh, entertainment, not entertainment, like enjoying certain things that maybe like I shouldn't or like the libs think like celebrate or whatever. But I do think like you should invest time in like, okay, why do these people find, um, why do they find meaning in certain things? And it's funny because like when I was watching, I was rewatching some of those old episodes of kink, right? It's almost quaint in that this is like the early two thousands and all of the same like culture war stuff is still there, but in like a much more, not like tolerable, but like, how shall I describe it? Maybe because it is the early two thousands and my millennial brain is kicking in and like, well, wow, this is nostalgia, right? I remember like watching trailer work boys then watching this like, no, but I'm saying like, it was much more like quaint in a way. This is what Matthew said when I showed him the episode that that is on YouTube. He's like, wow, this is actually quaint in a way because it doesn't have the same, like uh, it was still was an underground thing. It wasn't like a, a noxious in your face culture industry creation. This still had like an element of transgression, but like when you do like view things that like when you view these like very abnormal paraphilias that people are into, it's like, okay, is there like, some underlying mechanism there like being abused when they were kids yeah probably is there some kind of like abandonment issue there yes but it is interesting when you like when you do view things through the eyes of like this is this is represented in a way of what it is or what it was which is like this is an underground thing this is what people do this is their kink whatever 
But now the reason that these things, the reason I feel that they're no longer, um, at least from a right wing perspective, they're no longer like tolerable in terms of an intellectual curiosity is because they're so in your face all the time. Like they're literally are the culture and history. Like there literally is murals of like, uh, like a, like a, like, like, do you see the, the, the flips of TikTok video where it's like the guy in a bear mask is like the gay bondage thing. You saw that, right? The mural and like some, yeah. I think it was like downtown that, Seattle was, or whatever. I thought it was in Australia. Oh yeah. Sorry. It was in Australia. No, but like the, the point being is that they become, it's almost like as they become disempowered by being in your face all the time and they lose their capacity for transgression, you very quickly can't find any sort of like um, redeeming qualities in them, either as intellectual curiosity or extreme versions of artwork, which is what, um, which is what, uh, you know, Virilio covered in his essay, Art and Fear, where he talks about the artist Steltak using like extreme body modification in these like performance pieces, like all that it's gone now. Now it's like when it becomes like daytime talk show that like liberal, rich liberal white women watch, then it's, you know, that's like all of a sudden you become like all of a sudden they becomes this like incredible apparatus for kitsch and that like that runway you were talking about, all these examples that become kitschified, they become the very like, uh, the very like self-contained, like you know, mehekin wholesome, valid Reddit nonsense that we all beef on, right? Because there's an element of kitsch in them, because they're so like emphatically promoted by every avenue of like mainstream society, then they become objects of derision rather than like you know, like that show Kink, where they recognize that yeah, this is like a niche underground thing that not everybody's going to understand. Blah blah blah. Like it's very much now. It's like it's now like, everyone knows what a bear is. Yeah, it's like the sort of like boomer liberal. Uh, you know, like oh my my valid trans daughter. It's so wholesome. We have a family moment together at the at the drag story hour. It's like that's what they want. It becomes like so when you talk about when the right wing talks about beauty standards and how they worship ugliness to them they're not really worshiping ugliness they're worshiping something that they feel is a new standard of beauty because it invokes a fake sentiment of like this is my wholesome uh you know this is my wholesome trans daughter you know what i mean so i feel like the 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 right wing that talks about like oh they worship ugliness blah 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 like it's no, not it's really two what different standards talking past each other. Exactly. And this 100%. is why Covey Anon is correct when he says that the woke is more correct than the mainstream. And I wish more people understood that. Why? Because the woke has its own answer to sort of the common liberal tropes of things that we know, say, if you're like, have any reactionary gut feeling about why, say, certain aspects of liberalism, egalitarianism or democracy doesn't work. The woke yeah. understands that way better than probably most boomer cons and probably most people on the E-right do because they have their own way to get around it. They do, in fact, know that there are in, innate biological differences between people. That's why there has to be representations, why there has to be these things, because yeah. the standard of which is to bring them up, which is to bring them, as you had mentioned, into this aesthetic vision where all are included and incorporated. Um, because screw egalitarianism, you got to bring people out, whether that's their equity, liberation, and so on. And I mean, that, this is the nature of how it works. And I think that that's where a lot of people f fail to realize it's like, oh, you know, this is just ugliness. This is so atrocious. Like that, you know, mural of George Floyd on the wall that got struck by lightning is just gaudy. Why would they represent a drug dealer? And it's just, again, 
the we would recognize in a law and order system that yeah those people should probably be oppressed by law enforcement officials <laughs> and probably should be in jail however woke being more correct than the mainstream knowing that there's some certain issues with regards to either race class differences in economies amounts of taxpayer dollars flowing into things recognizing the faults of that system they're like well no i says he's a martyr and so i think where you get a big chunk of the problem that exists, and maybe I should get Kobe Fianon on one of these days to talk yeah. about it more, is that it, it's, it seems like an inversion to us, but to them, it's a radical, radical and very quickly deployed alternate aesthetic vision that yes. may seem kitschy to right-wingers. And we talked about that when we covered Borstein's book, and it may yeah. seem kitschy as hell to right-wingers. But to them, you are actually creating and flourishing a new culture, a better future, and so on. Like, this is the funny thing about this. Is it's this, literally like, the Kabani uh, solar punk commercial. Yeah, no, but that's the yeah. thing. That's what they want. That's what they want. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, you know, that magical world where somehow my uh, luxurily automated space agorist communism takes place. And there's no white people, only abuelas, you know. No Anglos, yeah. just vibes. And No Anglos, just vibes. That's what they want. And so you're getting, uh, you know, I'm sure eventually, you know, we'll get a nice Jim Jones mug on somebody's, uh, you know, bread tuber merch store. And they're going to talk about the need for bringing everyone together, that kind of vision. Like, uh, you know, we're getting there. But Lord have mercy on us because that's where we're at. And I just think to myself that a lot of people don't get that. And even the more older established sort of grifters are beginning to get that, too. Um it is opportunism, but sometimes uh, facts will come in their face and do it. And I, I wanted to talk yeah. about, because I think this has been a fun little feature. I have one more point, though, but yeah. You want to talk about? Uh, the one thing I wanted to just quickly insert here was, um, you know, well-renowned, uh, you know, I, I guess a terrorist sympathizer would be the appropriate word. And oh, racial communist Angela Davis who I've had the unfortunate displeasure of attending a lecture of. Really? Um, eh? Yeah, she came to my university a few years back, and I just had to, like, sit there and listen. And I was well, just what was like, that like? Um, it was very... I was actually really unimpressed, because the lecture was just sort of these, like, really boring... I read her you know, book and was very impressed, yeah. You read her book and was impressed? I, w- I was unimpressed. Like, okay, okay. okay. I, I No, because I feel like there's better prison abolition books that are more like hardcore like because at the end she like concluded that actually um you know oh this is a utopian vision it might never be true but it's like whatever (laughs) like yeah she's kind of she's more of a synthesizer of radical ideas like for the mainstream like npr listener than like actual people doing work like Mm -hmm. in academia she's basically like the pop tabletop book of like left radicalism for NPR listeners, for a fat NPR liberals. Uh, what, what does Michael Savage call them? People that eat quiche? Like, it's, you know. <laughs> but yeah, go ahead. What happened? I'm curious now. What'd well, you talk about? So it was in the middle of, it's like, it's, when was it? It was like 20, I think it was like my last year. You don't want to dox your university? Oh, I mean, I've, I've said it before. I went to UTEP. Like, it's okay. You went uh, to UTEP? No, UTEP uh, in El Paso. Like, you know, oh. our, our only famous alumni is Mia Khalifa. <laughs> Whoa! So I've got that going for me, I guess. That and Aaron Jones. But I, I think it was like my last year of university there, and she had came down for a talk. And it was like the it was the middle of the Trump administration. Oh, and boy! So, 
you know, she's ranting about the border and she's like giving the same sort of intersectional shtick that like um, open borders is like black and brown liberation and that, you know, we have to overcome hate with love, which really just means we have to kill Whitey. And it's pretty bad. And so, um, yeah, I mean, she's she's old. She's still alive. She's yeah. old as can be. And the thing that made me laugh is because um, there's that PBS show, Find Your Roots or whatever, that everyone's talked about, where she finds out, chats. <laughs> where she finds out that her uh, some of her ancestors are like direct ancestries did, to the Mayflower, yeah. and that she's did, more white than she realizes. Yeah, and did, her, did the guy Henry Louis Gates wasn't he part of the Beer Summit? Pretty sure. Oh, that's ancient history, bro. That's ancient Obama administration history. I remember watching Rick Sanchez when I came home from school. It's like talking about the beer summit. That was hilarious. I think Obama got like some pretentious IPA or some like foreign brew. I, I forget. But like, um, for those who don't know, Henry Louis Gates was the, the professor who was arrested. Like what happened? Um, uh, he was arrested. As he was arrested. Head. Uh, oh lord um i'm trying to remember what actually but it happened. wasn't the cop was racist i think like he matched the description of someone he matched yeah he matched the yeah. description of someone and his you know his front door was allegedly jammed or as he claims um taxi driver helped him get in and a passerby called the cops yeah and so it you know it's one of these minor you know issues over race and uh but you know he had a beer with Obama and Biden at the time. And the guy that, and, and the, came, and the officer too, uh, yeah. which they accepted as sort of this weird national mea culpa in 2000, uh, 2009. Oh my yeah, gosh. Man. It is this... ancient history. <laughs> yeah. Ooh. Yeah. Dick Gregory was hilarious. Pujabinik, but is he still alive? Dick Gregory? I don't know. He's one of those like old guard socialists that it's like, hey, he's got a few good things a comedian, to say. Right. I think, was he a comedian? He, yeah, the civil rights guy. No, he died yeah. in 2017. Oh, man. I thought Dick Gregory was still alive. Died of heart failure in Washington, oh, D.C. Yeah, he but, was a mainstay, yeah. though. He was around, like, the democracy now, like, tour circuit. So. I just find, like, her reaction to that was priceless. And some of the quote tweets, because uh, Rufo had shared it. Yeah. And um, our side was just like, yeah, people forget to realize that um, you know the 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 people that were slave owners took really good care of these people. <laughs> she's like, I can't believe it. That was she's like, Eric <laughs> Gates like, yes, your your original ancestor was part of the Mayflower, and she's like, what? Like that was like, <laughs> she's like, oh my god. I mean, uh, I I hate wasps. What a oh my, I can't believe it. Like <laughs> I built my career on hate on hating wasps. <laughs> but remember she she bought the weapons for 17 year old black panther advocates who uh, kidnapped and murdered a judge and she, she was did? charged with murder as an accessory but was acquitted by an all-white jury her legal bills were paid for by white uh california businessmen and churches whiteness has been a pretty good grift for her man white yeah it's kind of like uh like obama being mentored by bill Ayers. and then do you remember his argument against rush limbaugh He's, mm-hmm. Obama said that while well, Bill Ayers committed those acts, I was like nine years old at the time, but they were like, 
uh, no, I remember that interview where, where Obama said like, oh no, Bill Ayers, I was only nine years old at the time. So how could Bill Ayers radicalize me? I go, uh, like that, like what? Like Bill Ayers. Okay. It's like when, that uncomfortable photo with him and, yeah. uh, <laughs> you know, the uh, nation of Islam folks. Yeah. Yeah. No, but that's what I mean. Like just because you were nine years old when Bill Ayers bombed the, he bombed the Pentagon. Um, I think so. Yeah, yeah. Like just because you were nine years old when you bombed the Pentagon doesn't mean that like those beliefs didn't transcribe onto you when you were being mentored by Bill Ayers after he got out of prison. Which all the by the way, all these like Black Panthers and like like all these like new left radical like that actually did go out and you know commit these acts of fun posting. How did they get so like they like how come they how did they become like mainstream academics after like how did they not like spend their lifetime in prison like the guy who did like the guy who did like uh, the world Clinton Trade Center did a lot of uh a lot of amnesty and clemency before he left the white house what yeah like, like susan rosenberg part of the weather underground got clemency from uh, bill clinton and is now like a big part of a lot of democratic activist groups like all that whoa. left-wing terrorism from the 1970s a lot of that got cleared off or for political purposes had very lighter le- uh, sentences and then bam, you know, uh, so they're I still guess... in the forefront. These baby boomers are still at the forefront of most of your radical activism today. Do you think that Bill Clinton, like side question, do you think Bill Clinton was a proto version of, um, of the dark Lord? You know, what I'm talking about Tony Blair. Oh, I mean, yeah. yeah. Although quite a bit of, there's still a lot of American finagling into like Tony Blair's domestic policy. Yeah. For instance, like the, um, the good Friday accords happened a lot because of American pressure on Tony Blair's government. But yeah, I mean, Blair looked at it. Blair looked at Bill Clinton and was just like, we're going to modernize. Yeah. Yeah. The English system. And I mean, that's the only reason why the, the, the UK has a Supreme court now. Really? Yeah, it's, eh? it's it's known this is a known thing no but what i mean is like bill clinton being like you know in the front face of bill clinton being like he's basically a moderate like what do they call it red dog is that what they call it blue dog democrats blue dog democrats sorry blue dog democrat like no not blue dog what's he like is it what's the moderate democrat is it blue dog yeah no but the republicans are red so how Oh man, I'm confused. Blue dog, yeah, the Blue Dog Coalition. I mean, this was more centrist sort of folks that yeah. they were more conservative. This was trying to respond to the uh, House takeover by Newt Gingrich. Yeah, I mean, this yeah, is your exactly. Glenn Browders and Jonas Tanners of the world, a radically different Democratic Party. That's what I mean. Like Clinton, you know, he was from Arkansas, right? Like he was a good old boy. Like so, but the face of it was like the moderate, like Blue Dog, right? But behind the scenes, he let the radicalism slip. Same with Tony Blair. Tony Blair is, like, as we know, the Doc Lord, as AA likes to talk about. Uh, you know, he basically let the radicalism slip. I love how you give him under- such a high-pitched voice. Oh, yeah, I'm trying. <laughs> I can't. I'm trying to perfect the AA accent. I can't. Um, the Doc Lord, uh, Tony Blair. You know, I love I love how AA is, like, obsessed with Tony Blair. Because if you're, if you're a British, then, yeah, you must be, like... Tony Blair was like the beginning of the end. I feel like it was, you know, it's true. Um, but anyways, moving, you were going to segment into something. How was that? So Angela Davis, uh, she talked about, uh, she, she's learning about that one drop rule in reverse. <laughs> 
Oh man. But what did she talk about? Did she talk about prison abolition or it was more of like the, the Oh, Trump, at, the, like... at the lecture thing. It was more, it yeah. was mainly about borders and just how we live in an age where I think she had made a direct comparison to like um, a certain event that took place in 2017, akin to like anti-integrationist policies, like yeah. pro-segregation, which you know, I kind of can't help. Like, this is where that woke is more correct than the mainstream bit again, where it's like, actually, people do want to be left alone and separated, but, <laughs> and they know what, this. What happened in 20... Oh, you mean... Uh, yes. Seville? Yes. Wait, how is that pro... Oh, yeah, I get... Yeah, you she, can make she, an she compared that I mean, to pro-segregationists. Well, at the time when Richard Spencer was... When Big Spence was talking about uh, ethical, you know what, then yeah, you could... From a left-wing perspective, you could make that argument. Big Spence with a double cup of lean. <laughs> Tripled like on his team. <laughs> Tripled up like no, but um, it is funny though. I feel like it would have been crazy looking at her like at the time you're in university when that event happened in 2017, and like Angela Davis just like comes to university. Um, I had a pretty prominent. I I went to a lecture with a pretty prominent uh, posthumanist author. What's your last name? I think your last name is Drake. And I, I saw, I went to a debate with that guy that kicked out <laughs> Michael Millerman from University of Toronto or tried to. And I remember talking to him after because I, my second reader was the debate organizer. So um, uh, I, it was actually quite funny how like every single thing I mentioned, he was just like, yeah, that's fascism. Yeah, that's fascism. Yeah, that's fascism. And I'm like, wow, that's pretty... Uh, he was he was promoting his book where he says that if you read Nietzsche and Heidegger, you turn into a fascist. So um, that was pretty funny. Um, but you were you were transitioning to <laughs> wait green glassful. I had to take a course from Judith Butler in the nineties. Man, that's I would I I'd actually wouldn't mind that. But you know it would be yeah that like in the nineties when Judith Butler was like cutting edge, right? That would be that that would be you know different than taking a course from Judith Butler now, you know, so. <laughs> <laughs> um, uh. yeah, but, oh, final point before you move on, I was going to say that, um, and by the way, you're, you're destroying it with super chats, man. Last week I kind of got, I got, I got schlonged on super chats, but uh, no, um, I was going to say that I think that the right wing though, I, I will, I, 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 as a cautionary note, I will say that there is a version of right wing catch. Unfortunately, I feel like the sort of, um, and we do make fun of it though. The difference is we do make fun of it. Whereas the left wing will have to, you know, they don't make fun of it. They embrace it. The right wing catch would kind of be like these masculinity grifters or like these big, um, right wing catch is Jack Murphy. Yeah, exactly. It's, it's like the beard grease. It's like, these, the Black um, Rifle Coffee Company. Black Rifle Coffee. It's like these big accounts that like post these courses on like, you know, look at this trad aesthetic posting. Like it's, but they always have like a chorus. You know what I mean? Like it's, it's different. Like it's different than like when I feel, I feel like it's different than like when someone like Oris Press, like who is like an inventor of that stuff because he's actually like putting a science fiction product out. Like he's like putting his money where his mouth is. And he's got like a different, like whole like theory around it. Whereas a lot of these guys I'm talking about, I'm talking where they'll like, they have suspiciously, they have a hundred K following 
and they have choruses where you get to like read Machiavelli. Those are the types I'm talking about. Like where they like, you know, you know what my favorite type is where they'll post and me and Fen, we make fun of it all the time where they'll post like this person did this work of art in the Renaissance at 25 years old. What's your excuse? You know, that type of, I love that. It's, it's crazy. What's your excuse? Um, I, I wasn't an apprentice since the age of 10. <laughs> yeah, exactly. But yeah, no, that's, that's so true. Frazier. It's vague posting, vague posting. Yeah. That's, that's right wing catch. And so it, it's vague posting because it centers around like quote unquote right wing values, but it has a lifestyle attached to it. Right. Like, and some people have accused Rag Nationalist of this, but I guess that's, was that going to be your segue um, to the, 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 to the sensitive article? old figureheads? Absolutely. Okay. Yeah. Let's do it. Yeah. Oh man. Cause it, oh, so you mean the Deneen one, not the, the Rag one and compact. Well, I mean, both. Yeah. I mean, I, I can't, I feel bad. Ra- 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 Rag's been stuff. hit by like four or five different ones. And ironically, the first person I think that kind of got at him was Tink Sorg and then Oliver Bateman. Yeah. Uh, and to where, that's the thing that irks me is, is that everyone has thrown, and we've kind of fallen into that Aaron, Eric Vogelin trap where instead of the, he's got really two memes where, you know, you don't emanatize the eschaton and everything you don't like is Gnosticism. <laughs> yeah. And so that that was the interesting take was is that Ryag Nationalist is a Gnostic. He doesn't hate the material world. In fact, he wants the material world to be better. Yeah. You know, it's not like he's rejecting all these sorts of things that this world is evil, but the material conditions that we certainly live in are. I mean, most food additives in the United States are banned in the EU for good reasons because they Some make Some are even banned sick. in Canada. I'm not surprised. Yeah. And so, you know, and I mean no, you know, that's the thing about vague posting or like that bearded vet nationalism where it's just like, you know, he did these things at 23 and it's just like, oof, you know, Julius Caesar wept at his lack of achievements in comparison to Alexander the Great by the age of 23. I mean, exactly. yeah. And he yeah. wept for there no, were no more worlds to conquer. Um, And he wept for there were no more shits to post. <laughs> yeah, There's an argument exactly. for decline that you could definitely make in quality of men, but yeah. <laughs> Alexander the Great, Julius Caesar. Um, yeah, is obviously there. Um, but no, vague posting is sort of like, I, I was reading this article. Uh, I posted about it on Telegram about like the military aesthetic being like, this is, could be radicalized right wingers. But then you look at like the, the left wings, like the, the Antifa people, they're also caught in the like military, like Millsup aesthetic. But they're, but they're like camo uh, patches say like, protect trans kids or whatever uh that's so it's a stupid argument but it seems that there is like a salience to the vague post like um like sort of the like the grift right is definitely real and it definitely is catchified because it does have the sort of like lumber soy like mahak and wholesome type of uh like i'm gonna drink know, my black rifle coffee company you know my pound of bacon and beard grease and, yeah and, and go watch another grand thumb post. video yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, who yeah, th- there was a, a recent controversy. I know Aristophanes posted about this where this gun YouTuber like got outed by these uh, you know, John Brown Gun Club Antifa people that he was entertaining. What was that about? Uh so I think it has a lot more to do with Carl from Inrange TV who I know yeah. has 
quite a few interesting left wing positions and probably supports that stuff. And, and I know that um, he had kind of, and because of that, I think it was Brunel's that had sort of stopped wanting to do business with them or stopped wanting to interact with them and do crossover things and things like that to which they're, I mean, they're, they sell stuff for, with regards to guns. I actually don't watch a lot of them. I mean, yeah. my favorite gun people that I like watching really just boils down to, um, Ian from Forgotten Weapons, who is his channel. I don't know what his personal politics are, but he is not very political on his like front facing YouTube channel, which I appreciate. Uh, and, and Paul Harrell those are really the two guys that I watch pretty regularly. And so I find that, that's really all I know that what's going on. I know that people have talked about it, but you know, uh, yeah. gun ownership is not a good litmus test as George Sagan accurately points out, because I know plenty of That's lefties. Aristophanes said, yeah. Yeah. I mean, there's plenty of lefties. Oh, I like Hickok 45 too. Mike. Hickok 45. He's my, he's, he's the, he's the grandfather I've always wanted. <laughs> yeah. And, but yeah, it's just, Gun ownership's not a good litmus test because what have we found out? That you can have a bunch of disgusting, dysgenic blobs show up with firearms in red states like Iowa and Idaho to defend Drag Queen Story Hour. Yeah. Yeah, there and that was if you go to my if you go to my uh telegram, Giant Productions, I do post the picture where uh this one Antifa person had the this like fat guy where it's like a you know, a camo kit that says like protect trans rights or whatever. Or no, protect trans kids. Yeah, but um, yeah, no. But anyways, yeah. So there is definitely like a kitschified um, aesthetic there, and I feel like like there was a tweet. I feel like who was it the other day? Was it uh, Fisher King that said for some reason like everyone who basically votes Republican, even if they live in the cities, they've adopted like the redneck aesthetic in America, like the country. Like, I feel like maybe Trump has probably something to do with it. Like, there's definitely, like, the county fair. Well, he had posted, I think it was a, a city, it was, like, a, a college football game or something, Like, but it was, like, in a big city. And, but, like, the, the women there, the, the I guess the conservatives, they were all sort of, like, dressed like cowgirls or something like yeah. that, or even, like, the Daisy Duke sort of deal. And, yeah, yeah I, I had saw that take where, like, they sort of adopt the, the redneck uh, aesthetic and culture. Maybe that's the only place where there's any kind of semblance of culture left for conservatives uh, in the cities. A lot of Daily Wire films are like that as well. Like that's that's Daily Wire, like girl bot, like Huntress girl bot. <laughs> yeah, which we'll get to maybe next week. We'll get to. my culture's not your cust. <laughs> are you from the South, Donald Trump gaming? I wonder. Um, <laughs> well, I mean, Prude, that's your culture. Right? I mean, you're from the South. Well, I mean. Uh, yeah. Texas has definitely got its own unique spin on it, but yeah, I mean, the, the, cow, the cowboy real. hats, the 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 boots, and everything. I yeah. mean, it even has its own political kitsch with god awful Senator Ted Cruz, where he's like, "Well, you know, I've got my arguing cowboy boots when I go to the Senate to make a speech," and I'm like, "Please stop talking, like the love <laughs> of God, please stop talking." Um, I will vote for you again Canadian if you just hat. shut up. Yeah, is he is he is Cruz actually Hispanic or no? Cuban. He's... Oh, that's so why take he your, looks so European. Looks take so your, white. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Him and Marco Rubio. Uh, it's just so... like Rubio does look like his Hispan- Like he does look. Hispanic. He's got the ears for it. Yeah, he's got the the rent boy flair. Um, <laughs> <laughs> well, I I secretly think he is. 
uh, or was at some point in time. Rubio, I just remember Trump in 2016, the debate, where he's like, little Rubio, remember those? Like, remember the can't Trump the stump edits where he's like, Rubio. Like, that's, well, that's where the whole, you know, hand sizes and genital bit came from, was from his exchange with Marco Rubio. Yeah. <laughs> <sighs> Yeah, little Marco, little Marco, Marco. Yeah, like oh, and this is that's God. And now we've got. I can't wait for the caste discourse to finally penetrate American politics. Now that there are two Indians running for president of the United States. Oh man, that's gonna be so good. I can't. Can't wait. I can't wait. Oh man, I actually like that too. Dude, wipe patriotism. That's a good line. That's a great term for it. Um, oh. Have I been to rodeos? Actually, um, on my way to church, I start, there's a, a rodeo stadium that I've been to. They also have uh, auctions and gun shows there. So, yes, I have. It's a lot of fun. Highly recommend it. It brings you back to a culture that you can't really relate to. Yeah. Uh, yes, candidates are already running. You have Donald Trump, Nikki Haley, and let me make sure I pronounce his name correctly because I made fun of him yesterday with a great Norm Post. <laughs> I, love I love Norm posting. I will never stop. Norm McDonald's never truly gone. But it was, let me see here if I can find it. What's his name? Uh, Vivek uh, Ramaswamy, um, who is the anti-woke ink guy who is pro-open borders and on his timeline, despite announcing that he's running for the president of the United States as of yesterday. Uh, still has tweets saying that George Soros has good ideas. Uh, and in Who's his interview this with guy? And in his interview with Tucker Carlson, he had said that more immigration is important. Um, but yeah, Vivek Ramaswamy you... has announced he's running for president, hoping to win the Republican nomination for the White House. When asked by reporters, former President Donald Trump said, didn't Elon fire that guy? So that's where we're at. Whoa! <laughs> not 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 Vivek from Morrowind, although I would vote for that Vivek before this not guy. Not to be confused with Vivek Raper. <laughs> but, um Dagothers should be the Republican nominee and drive the mongrel dogs of Mexico no. out of this place. It's like the Ben Shapiro, we will drive the Swarthoid hordes. <laughs> <laughs> um you know what's funny though is do you remember in 2012? I don't know what like see, I remember more things about Canadian like about American politics, even like Canadian politics, but do you remember in 2012 when like people thought Bobby Jindal was based? Oh my gosh! Yeah, that's a forever well, ago. What, what's sad is that Bobby Jindal's not an idiot. Like, no, he's not. He's, like, he's, he's a really smart guy. Right. Well, I don't know how much we can libel up to credentialism, but I mean, like, decent, semi decent governor, Rhodes Scholar was relatively articulate. Um, but to win in Louisiana too is pretty. And to win in Louisiana yeah. is an Indian guy. <laughs> yeah, like come on, bro. Like it's the Republicans. They were taking a huge risk with that, not running like another five candidate. <laughs> like it's or, or they're gonna run that. Yeah, they're gonna Asian. they're gonna fall for that trap every time because yeah. By comparison to today's crop about quote quote unquote candidate uh, candidate quality, let's just take a look at. Um, you know, Nikki uh, Haley. well, Nikki Haley is a great example. I was also thinking, um, Warner, right? Not Warner. Oh yeah. What's the guy that ran in the George Senate seat? Who was it against? It was against Herschel Walker and Raphael Warnock and Herschel Walker for all of his faults. I love this. I love this so much because this contemplates the future of Republican party <laughs> voting strategy till the end of time. And Remember yes, uh, I said the future is left. 
Yeah, remember I said that the future of the Republican Party is uh, Christian Walker? <laughs> oh, it is. Eventually, Christian Walker will be like the face of some Republican candidacy. I guarantee yeah. it. It's going to happen. But the but thing you, is, is that yeah, the future of the Republican Party's politics is going to be people like Herschel Walker running <laughs> for office. And they're not going to focus on the people that didn't that, that voted for Republicans but didn't vote for him because there are about 218,000 Republican voters that did that voted for Kemp for the re-election of the governor of Georgia. Yeah. But did not vote for him. And what makes it even funnier is, is that Herschel Walker's white wife thought it would be a really smart idea. Let's double down and try to get the black vote in Whoa. Georgia against Raphael Warnock. Which he did not break double digits in any district that he had won um, for the black vote. But instead, 218,000 more or less white voters said, nah, I'm good. And that's yeah. the future of the Republican Party. And this but is the one thing that, there. well, there's quite a few. Yeah. The, you know. Oh, I see. Like, wow. That's crazy. So um, I've said, well, I, I won't say it here. But yeah, so someone thought that... Uh, <laughs> That somehow that they were going to, and he was a terrible candidate, but that's how it is. Um, Plus, he was like insane. I mean, yeah, <laughs> Walker. Like, but now, now oh. we've got true, we've got true insanity with uh, the the Federreich rising. It's so oh, great. Man. Did they thought voices. that? This... <laughs> yeah. Did they thought just because he was a, like an all time football star that he was gonna like win the nomination? Is that what they thought? I have like, no idea. And the same way, and what and this also is a, a sting against Trump because he did endorse uh, Doctor Oz. Yeah, but you know, I, I guess your your take on Turkish people, I guess, will determine the state of affairs for that Senate race. Oh my! He God. was the CTE kid. He <laughs> was the CTE kid. Whoa. <laughs> I'm trying to like, I'm looking at Herschel Walker's. So he was married to Cindy DeAngelis Grossman, Julie Blanchard in 2006. She was Walker's fiance. Walker married Blanchard in 2006. Um, child supports, Braddock gifts, court order. Oh my God. There's like, they ran this guy? He beat his son, <laughs> Christian Walker, for what <laughs> domestic there's a whole wikipedia yeah. of domestic violence allegations they, oh my god <laughs> they ran the republicans ran. <laughs> I'm sorry I'm sorry man the red wave the red wave the red wave that was that wasn't, and I mean, this also has a lot to do with not financing any candidates that could have had a chance. And this is actually a critique I would lay into Blake Masters uh, because Blake's the internet's perfect candidate, but yeah, Blake exactly. But didn't he's not talk- like the normie perfect candidate. Yeah, Blake should have talked to normies. Blake, don't talk to us at I am seventeen seventy. Like, go talk yeah. to voters. Yeah. God, please. Um, but yeah, he was the worst candidate that ran in that time. And, uh, and they could have ran, they could have ran a dead guy and probably have done better, but instead yeah. both him and Dr. Oz lost to literal freaks and miscreants like freaking um, John Ashcroft in 2004 lost to a dead guy. And now George is probably forever going to stay blue. Oh my God. There's more than one accusation of a certain medical person what 
you're at like why is this a surprise to anybody? Famous black football <laughs> stars probably paid hush money to like dozens of be anti consequence. This is insane. The Republicans thought that this was good. The GOP thought this was who else did they have in Georgia they could have ran? Liter- they had another black guy literally anybody. Literally no, anybody. They could have found like a more competent, like by POC candidate in Georgia for also, the Republican Party. Talk. But yeah, you yeah. can't talk. You yeah. know, you got to have that Joe Biden. You know, he's a nice, <laughs> upstanding, clean-cut black gentleman who can talk really well. You know, you need that. Um, but also... They could have found the conservative Obama in Georgia. You could. Run. I'm sure he <laughs> exists. I'm sure he exists. Yeah. Come on, Georgia! Somewhere out there is a is a black man in Georgia married to an, M, you know, an MTF. Couldn't they get the... the, the... Couldn't they get the sheriff from Georgia with the cowboy hat, the black sheriff that goes on that goes on Fox? Didn't News he all the run time? for office at some point in time? I think so. Yeah, he did. Yeah, but no, yeah, but you could I... get him. You could like pump millions of dollars into him. You know uh... what I mean? Like you could literally take that guy, the the police officer that wears the cowboy hat that always goes on Fox News that talks about you know I do this as a you know tough love. To the black community, blah blah blah. Like you could literally run that guy, and and Herschel Wadley wouldn't have, like he, like there would be no optics problems in terms of like, okay, yes, I know the Republican Party is done for because they tr- they truly think they could court the black vote in America. They can't, okay, you know. But say, but for argument's sake, within the Republican like you know bubble, right? You could literally take that guy, but you had to run Herschel Walker. <laughs> Like what? I'm I'm not like truly, truly. I'm I'm like looking back at the at the 2022, um, you know the the by election, right? What do they call it in America? Midterm election. Midterm election. Sorry, brain fart. I'm like, why? By term elections, but with the candidate quality nowadays, as. Oh man. Anyways, you were gonna move. We should move on. Um, now people are talking about Lori Life for some reason. Well, just because you know, like, like as as the Jean Pierre lady, you know, the the Haitian yeah. lesbian who runs the uh, the cabinet. I guess she had said the cabinet is a majority of people of color for the first time in history. The cabinet is majority female for the first time in history. A majority of White House senior staff is female, and a record seven assistants to the president are some kind of uh, big um, umbrella term. You know, and, we had a Haitian as a governor general in Canada. My sympathies. She was pretty good, though. She was under Harper. She was pretty good. She wasn't that bad. Compared to, like, that, that astronaut, like, that, that fedora-tipper astronaut they got. Like, she was pretty good, actually. We have on. a fedora-tipping astronaut in the Senate. You do? Which? Oh, yeah, that's right. I remember... In Arizona. Back in the, yeah, back in the day, they made a big deal that he was, like, the only open atheist um, candidate. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Donald Trump gaming. Do you think Trudeau is going to call an election? No, I don't think. I think that Trudeau has enough steam to ride it out to 2025. So I'd be shocked if there was an election this year or in 2024. Um, I don't think, no, because historically um, in Canada, they try to avoid having an election the same year as America has an election. So yeah probably a smart call because you don't want to adopt the american electoral fever pitch that we have yeah exactly uh, especially after trump i can't see that happening um i i don't 
I don't see a Republican getting it in 24, but I mean, maybe, um, I don't know. Trump, the Trump. Okay. If you want to transition to another topic, the Trump thing in, in, uh, in Palestine. No, not, not the Palestine in Palestine, Ohio, the Ohio, I, Palestine, the Ohio, Palestine, East um, Palestine, Ohio. Although if Trump did go to Palestine, nah, 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 nah I'm not going to touch that one. Um, but no, I I think it was a good move. I think it was a shade of the old Trump, definitely. Like the McDonald's one, that was like. See, the thing with Trump is that you have to realize that Trump, like, I know this class- menu better than you do. I've known it for years. Yeah. <laughs> I know all the spe- with special, but he like had to ask to like do the small talk where he's like, "So what specials do you have today?" It's like, no, but I know the menu better than everyone. So it's like, <laughs> you know, classic Trump move. Like the the best was when Trump was talking about his physicist uh, uncle. He's like, yeah, he was pretty smart. I think I'm smarter than him, but you know, he was pretty smart. Um, <laughs> and there was old Jinx video about Trump's uh, physicist uncle that knew Nikola Tesla. See that one? No, I didn't. Yeah, I think Trump. I think Jinx is back on Twitter, on Twitter now. Hopefully, he gets his uh, original can- uh, account back. Yeah, it's Trump '80s catch. Yes, because McDonald's. When McDonald's was good, it was a symbol of the golden arches conquering the world in the 80s. But I, but here's the thing. Trump, you have to realize, nowadays is basically a class trader. You know this, right? Um, Trump is everything. He has been embraced by like red state, county fair, kitsch, Americana, because he is... He like, is the Coriolanus that Curtis Garvin talks about. <laughs> yeah, exactly. He might as well be a dark hobbit at this point. Um, because Trump, he, okay. I say this in loving terms. I don't say this in negative terms. He is a class trader because he knows the way that the upper class, the elites operate, but Trump kind of never was them. Trump was always his people were like, people talk about how like Trump is like a rich guy, blah, blah, blah. Trump was never like, he was famous for being rich, but his market was like little, like flyover, quote unquote, flyover America. You know what I mean? He always was like appealing to like mass culture. So Trump in a way he like, he is kind of like a rich elite, but he isn't, you know what I mean? Like he definitely was um, an outsider. He was never like of those people in a way. Like I remember there was this uh, interview that you, do you remember that British show hard talk? No. Well, like hard talk was like in the nineties. It was sort of like, um, like, you know, confrontational media, right? Like they had that one with David Irving and they had like where he's like trying to grill him, but he like tries to maintain his cool. Like he, they had basically they bring on like these outside people like that are like not acceptable. And like you had like this, like British guy trying. I think they still have hard talk. I think that's what it was called. But um, they had this one episode with Trump in the 90s where he was like rebuilding his empire, right? Yeah, Jeremy, was it Jeremy Paxman? Yeah. Uh, thank you, Alex. Um, I remember Trump, like the interview he did where Trump was talking about, he's like, you know, I like to build things, right? Like I'm like, I'm an artist. I like to build things. And, and I remember that. And I remember like these hit pieces where of course, like they do the whole, like Trump is a fascist because Trump is like the aestheticization of politics, blah, blah, blah. Right. But I'm thinking like, yeah, the, the old Trump was great because I do feel that he was trying to use politics to build things the way that he's like, you know, the way he was talking about 
I like to build build you know I like to build buildings that will last that are monumental. I like to have good people that like to build things. Like the whole interview, this hard talk interview was about like how Trump is like this great like he embraces this like architectural view of the American landscape, right? That Trump like is a brand, but it, more than a brand, it's trying to like build something into the future, right? And of course, like the leftoids are like, yeah, that's fascism. Because, like, you know, Trump is trying to build through politics. Yeah. But I remember, like, look, looking at that. And I remember, like, thinking, like, all of 2016 did make sense in that moment. That Trump was trying to build something. But I, I feel like the, the Palestine thing was, like, that glimmer of old Trump. Now, is he going to get the nomination? Maybe. Will he get elected? <laughs> Probably not. But, I don't know. Like, this really made me... It made me curb my black pill on Trump. Put it that way. Uh, I don't know about you, Prude, but I, I looked at it and I just thought to myself that it it, it made me want to forget the last like six years of politics. Yes, 100%. it made me want to. It made me want to go back to 2015. It made me think that there was something going on. And I mean, it was the perfect political layup. And I think that even even some of uh, our detractors had like pointed that out, where it was just like you know, the secretary of transportation has only just now visited after Trump went there. Yeah. And of course that County and the, the city of East Palestine and the County that it resides in went 83% Trump anyways, in the last couple of elections. Oh, they worshiped him. He was walking down the street. Yeah. He was like, he literally he looked like Caesar returned from Gaul yeah. and was ready to overthrow yeah. everything. And can't wait. You know, I would be nice. I think the opportunity passed on a certain day in January in 2021. But oh, yeah. I I think that it, it was nice to see. It was. it was great to see. It was nostalgia. It, yeah. And that's the thing. is how much of this is politicking, how much of this is nostalgia. But he's paying for it with his own money. You had the Goya beans, which I couldn't help but laugh at because Goya had supported him in his presidency. Yeah. And it's just like, you know, they're they're making their political foe spend his personal money on recovery efforts <laughs> rather than, you know, the uh you know, EPA and anything like that doing anything. Yeah. Uh, you gotta get that Trump water. You gotta get that Trump yeah, water. Trump you... water. Gotta have yeah. your two hands on the water bottle, you know. Yeah, we're going to take care of, like, the McDonald's thing truly was, like, well, Trump, like, we're going to take care of everyone and take care of the firefighters today. We're going to take care. It's all going to be on my bill. And it's like, oh, by the way, I know the menu off by heart because McDonald's is the American people. He really does know his constituents. Like, he does, like, those people, you know he what I mean? Them like by heart. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And it's so tragic, I feel like, in the past few years, even, the fact that he doesn't, like, like he doesn't embrace what he was. He doesn't embrace what made him great. What made well, that he's like that him. he's aged. Like yeah, it really showed true. in the last video that he posted where he was talking about Victoria Newland, which I was like, oh, that's spicy. That he's kind of like saying the obvious about what a god awful witch that she is and is yeah. a warmonger. But like the way that he sounded, I was like, oh yeah, you can. It's old. Yeah, you know he's old. Yeah. Like and JD Vance look good looking next to him too as well. Like next to him as well. Like I feel like the 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 whole thing that happened in Palestine. I feel like from the perspective of JD Vance, it's like he really is sort of like he is against the federal government. It, it not not like a national divorce thing, but there is a, a sentiment there 
that governors like J.D. Vance basically are against Leviathan at this point. Like they, like Ohio will be abandoned because of their political choices. And there's like there was already leftist journalists I saw saying like, well, I guess they deserve it for not maintaining their infrastructure, blah, blah, blah. Like, so these type of events, they do sort of like reveal um, the, the, you know what I mean? Like they reveal the fault lines in America, the way that I feel like Katrina in a way with Bush revealed like a lot of different, um, like a lot of the things that happened in Katrina, like it, it sort of was that like, the th- it wasn't just like the federal government's incapable of like helping people, but it was portrayed in the media as like George Bush doesn't care about these people, blah, blah, blah. So it's like, you know, <laughs> the infamous huh, George Bush doesn't, doesn't care, care about, about black people. <laughs> yeah, yeah. What an arc that's been, man. Um, yeah, that's pretty crazy in hindsight. When you like look at it. Um, no, but I feel like these events that happen in America, uh, the burger monarch makes better. Um, there is like, uh, well, first of all, these infrastructure disasters are going to happen more frequently. It's inevitable. Well, I, w- but, I would yeah. recommend the old Glory Club stream because uh, on on the East Palestine issue, because Clausington actually is a civil engineer and works on rail and roads. And he he's is, about the- yeah, he is. And in fact, he's probably going to be visiting East Palestine pretty soon. Whoa. And so we can go back to him and hear uh, his take on that issue. But I mean, yeah, there's a lot of issues that are there. Both, I mean, like our regulatory nature is pretty poor because a lot of this stuff, and I mean, like some of your, this might sound lefty as all hell, but I mean, there's, we have to deal with the railroad companies more than we have to do with like actual Department of Transportation stuff and things like that. So, I mean, it's just, there's a lot of stuff there that we don't have in regards and even like more policy based right wing wonks are like, well, there's actually some uh, regulatory policies that we've sort of kowtowed to that were gone. Uh, that had probably compounded this issue but um you know there's a there's a comment in chat here by pcss was was george bush based i no no (laughs) yeah come on prude you were thinking about it though you were thinking about well you know it was funny because i had a conversation (laughs) with paul fahrenheit the other day and he was sort of he does his usual shtick about Um, you know, he's, he's a rather performative character. I will say that, but he had said, uh, that, you know, I'm nostalgic for George W. Bush, which is funny because he's like, um, like seven or eight years younger than myself, man. And I was like, you don't remember that, but okay. I remember George Bush. He was great at dodging shoes, but I mean, I don't, I don't know if I would call him a rather based individual in any way, sort of bit. Uh, and (laughs) You're thi- no, because I just remember that comment. I forget to said that, like, in a different life, like, Geo wishes he was a liberal and Prude wishes he was a neocon. <laughs> well, I grew up as, like, a very neoconservative person. Yeah. Like, my entire life story in terms of a political journey grows up from, like, George W. Bush talking points. Like, that's the, that's, that's the team I'm on. Parents voted for it. You know, when you're an army brat, like, you're definitely going to support... Yeah, you're either with us or you're against us. Like, you have very much interesting views on, say, Islam or whatever as a kid. You're like, oh, the enemy, right? You know, and even to this day, the enemy, but for theological reasons. And now it's like, you know, and especially in high school under the Obama administration, where it was like, you had Glenn Greenwald, you had Snowden, you had WikiLeaks, you had Assange. And you realize that there was no difference between these two. 
that they're both warmongering, that they're both power-hungry individuals that will use even the most intimate details about you as blackmail so that even if you want to speak out, um, you will have to be forced to hide in an embassy somewhere in order yeah. to not be extradited and taken away and punished. And so what killed me was that all of a sudden uh, you had to reassess your entire socialization as a child and as a young, you know, as a, as a kid growing up. Yeah. And that's why even to this day, I'm like, I don't like uh, George W. Bush at all for his policies. I don't like who he is as a politician. He is as slimy as the rest of them. Yet I have a nostalgic feeling for him because I can remember clear as day. I hear you. The whole world hears you. And pretty soon um, the people who did knock down these buildings are going to hear from you. So like, yeah, that's that, a big... that was an iconic moment though. Yeah. You, you can't, admit. you can't yeah. change that. Um, that's but... a world historical moment when he said that you can't take that away from him. No, you can't as much as he's a piece of shit nowadays. Like, um, you know, yeah, that what when he said that the world hears you and soon. Yeah. That was like, I remember when he said that, that was like, even when I was a kid on the news, hearing that that was big, like, you know, you know, like apparently, you know, what was like, it was like that, that baseball game after 9-11 or like SmackDown after 9-11, <laughs> like um, when they had the, the anthem or like the first NBA game, I think it was actually, it was, um, it was in, it was in New York. It was, it was in, in uh, New York. And what, I mean, what's the big stadium called? Is it a, I don't know off the top of my fart. head. But you it know, was... the big one, you know, like, and, and they had Lee Greenwood singing God bless the USA. Like that was like that, you know what I mean? Like that. It's sure. Sure. But now. I mean, and it's kitschy now, but like if you yeah. were, to, even when he like left office and he wrote that sort of like memoir decision points about his presidency yeah. and Yankee, Yankee stadium, stadium, Yankee stadium. And they're like, yeah. well, you know, none of these people in the stands voted for you, but they're all cheering for you now, you know, exactly. like that's like an, Oh, that's a good, that's a feel good moment to a point that where it's will turned never into happen in America ever again. Never. Uh, I feel we'll see pending. <laughs> if if a cloud of uh, radioactive smoke maybe. drops off of Washington D.C., maybe we'll have that moment again. No, because you'd still have like no, but you would still have like our guys that would say that you know what, great Satan, you deserve it. Like I feel like that uniting moment would never, you know what I mean? Like probably, yeah. But that's the thing. This is that like even today, the Republican Party that wants to go back to like that wants to go back to Fresh Prince, as AA likes to describe it, they invoke. <laughs> like that post terror attack unity is so like, we would love to go. Yeah. Um, we would love to go back to that. And so, it's oh, definitely, like, mm, you know, no, cause no, none of those people in New York, they didn't vote for George Bush. They hated Bush, but like, well, they didn't hate them to the same degree. They hated him in 2003, but they nevertheless, they saw Bush robbing them of their like heck and wholesome Bill Clinton progressive future, which as we know, Bill Clinton was like, very mixed bag in the sense of like he didn't have like he like let progressivism slip through the back door as we said but he also had like the super predator bill and like you know you know so and he did have like the first shade of the original like neoconism but when that moment happened when those people yeah they didn't vote for bush but yet at that moment they were united as like we are americans like that was so big. Like even as a well, kid, I well, that, that was and again, big. that's that's in part because there was still a relatively cohesive civic religion that you could assimilate into. Exactly. Yeah. 100%. And uh, that's all gone. That's all gone. Yeah. You, you know, uh, America was not nearly as diverse as it was in two thousand one. No. And America was not nearly as polarized as it was in two thousand one. 
uh, you won't get that um, anymore. There is no sense of Americanicity. Like that, that civic religion has been uprooted, destroyed. It's gone. So yeah, never, you won't get that um, because all of a sudden, if a great tragedy happens, um, like a nuke, (laughs) heaven forbid. uh, And we should pray to God that that never happens. Um, But if some sort of tragic event like September 11th, 2001 were to happen, um, every which way but loose, you would see pundits, commentaries, grifters, all saying, well, my people weren't mostly affected. So oh, you'd see Vouch gloating about it if it was in middle yeah. America. Yeah. yeah, if it was in middle America. And I'm sure Vouch has gloated about East Palestine too. Oh, yeah. Um, like the disgusting fat cretin that he is. These people would just <laughs> have no problem laughing about it. And if it was in a major place like San Francisco Bay, or gets New York. hit by something or New York. Um, all of a sudden, uh, I guarantee you that someone like on our side would probably be like, <laughs> suck it, you know, like all the libs getting in. Sim- you'd have like, you know, the Giga Chad uh, green text about it. There would. Like, yeah, yeah. There would be like Giga Chad edits of whoever committed the violent act that day. Yeah. Is, is Geo? Yeah. I'm pretty, yeah. I think I'm fatter than Velsh. I'm trying. Well, I don't know. I'm trying to get to Velsh level, but. I don't know. Um, it's, you should get to see, you should get to twenty five year old Vouch level where that man looked like a yeah young Ian McGregor and now he's just like what's happened? Yeah, but I think spiritually, um, Vouch is you know fatter than me, so it's hard to say. Um, no, I'm kidding. Uh, no, sp- yeah, spiritually uh, depends. Um, but anyways, let's move. Let's move on. Um, Last so, but not least, what do you want to go for, Gio? Um, there's a bunch of stuff. Did you want to talk Danine? I think that was the. Actually, no. Let's not. I know that only because I'm uh, recording an interview with him on Saturday. What? Yeah, Patrick Danine. No, no, Lomez. <laughs> you think oh. I'd ever get a chance to talk to Patrick Danine? Come the hell I was on. Gonna be like, I don't use what? my real name. I don't ever, like. I'm not associated with any major institutions. I'm not sure, a Roman so. Catholic. He sure, would just so call me a demon. Yeah, true. Um, no, uh, what, what? No, what I'm, I'm interviewing on Lomez the... on Saturday. That's my big news. Yeah, I was sorry. I had a brain fart for a moment. Um, but uh, no, what, what did you? What was the last bit of? Uh, let's see. I have my notes here because I had notes on the whole like national divorce thing. But I guess if you're talking, about oh no, we can news, do that. That's perfectly fine. No, I thought we were going to talk cover the. <clears throat> Well, we'll do another art stream one day. So well, we, we, keep, reviewing... we keep teasing it, but it's we never... are reviewing Daily Wire films. Yeah, no, but I mean, like we're gonna do paintings, but oh, we need to. Yeah. Um. Well, maybe one day we'll do. We it need to get a guest Daily on Wire. for paintings because I would be desperately outside of my. Uh... Yeah. Well, I was gonna I was gonna ask you about the icon thing, but. Oh um... well, yeah. Um, I've got some photos. I can share that on screen. Because last week, um, like Jason, no, we're not going to talk no, about all that no. drama. No, we're not going to touch that drama. No, not with a ten foot pole. Not oh, yeah, not boy. with a not with a ten foot pole. Oh, Sorry, God. Sorry. Um, it wouldn't no, even I like can... affect her. Yeah, just it's too much. Listen, listen, it's it's too much of a hot wire, and uh, yeah, not gonna yeah. So no, I can show you off. What I, I put it on my Substack because I put a rather personal. Uh, yeah. take because like last week was just a really uh spiritual warfare is real and mm. it is uh 
the attacks on the enemy are real. But anyways, this is the last uh, most updated photo. I haven't gone back to touch up on it. I've just been busy this week with yeah. the channel and um, getting myself into an exercise routine, and I had a doctor's appointment. But uh, this is what I've been working on this last week. It started as a plain old whiteboard, and then, uh, yeah, let me see if I can make the screen a little bigger for you guys. But yeah, so this is what I've worked on over the course of the last week. But yeah, uh, nice. that's that's what I spent yeah last week yeah. doing. We're not finished yet. We're about eighty percent of the way done. Yeah, yeah. Nice. Thank you. Yes, I am using egg tempera for this. Everything has been done now. Although we did not etch the lines. Um, instead, because it was funny, because our friend Martin posted those uh, pigma um, pigma microns. Those pigma microns. That's what we used to trace yeah, the lines for they're this. archival. Yeah, they're they're fantastic, but yeah, this is what I was working on last week. Hopefully, we'll we'll finish it this month. Well, traditionally, and... use the dip pen, and uh... well, traditionally you etch the lines into the board. Oh yeah, that's right. Would they? Yeah, yeah, yeah. How'd they do it? Just with a razor? Would they do use engraving tools? Oh, uh, we we used engraving tools the last time we did one. Um, oh yeah. But this is the like the prosopon school in Russia. That this is the format that we use. So they always naturally come out very dark, which I actually don't like. The the Greeks and um and other Russian schools actually make them far more flesh like. Yeah. But because mm-hmm. they use a lot of the Roskrish, the first light, which is usually it's always this like dark gritty green color. Yeah. It's the first layer of light that you put on. Andre Rublev used that, yeah. Yeah, right. Um, I mean, that's sort of the traditional way that you do it for all Roskrish, really. And so that is their darkest tone. So you always start from the dark, and then you bring yourself lighter and lighter and lighter. Um, so, Which is why, like, the previous icon I did um, of St. John Cassian, he came out, like, way darker than I wanted him to, but that's just the prosopon method, uh, because, you know... He, he was not that dark St. John Cassian. He was a Scythian and <laughs> went, mm. went westward. He was not particularly. I didn't know they engraved the lines. Like, uh, so yeah. you were using like V, V and U gouges then, or just like you're standard writing V. Yeah, basically. Mm. And, um, you etch the lines that way, but you have to be very careful. Yeah, of course. Uh, cause otherwise you can scratch the board too much and that can cause issues because yeah, once you, you, do, once you do the lines, you can't, uh, you can't really fix that. Welcome to my world with cuts. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Um, you only go down like so many inches though. Like, like, cause that's like, that's like the difference being is like wood, wood, wood cuts are like, you know, the side grain of the, of wood and, and wood engraving is the end grain where you use like the little, um, jewelers tools, which they call burns. Uh, yeah. I do both. Right. Um, but, yeah, I didn't know the inside of the lines because um, then you like drive ink into them, right? And then you go from there. Well, you, you drive line. Well, I mean, you do you you ink over the lines with pigment. Um, yeah. actually, towards the end. So you do it, other steps is that you will redraw your lines, um, either to finalize some etching or to redraw them two or three times. This one, because we had used those uh, pigma microns to trace the lines, um, we really managed to skip that step and things like that. So mm. those things definitely help with that regard. But and the, then the, then you gold leaf over them. Uh, or... Well, you gold leaf over the halo very early on. You'll do that with a clay red bowl. Um, so you can mm. use that with like hide paint and any sort of cremer, uh, bolus sort of stuff that you can use. 
Um, I want to. I finish this. I'll probably have it to show off on on stream. I'll hopefully have it, an iconographer, our friend Shane Swenson, on to talk about that. But yeah, those are the things that I uh, that I usually do. But it's very like formulaic, though. Like you're basically following a template, more or less. Yeah, I mean, there are um, some templates, of course, that are that are newer. Um, yeah. For instance, there's a, a Russian Orthodox icon of the Angel of Blessed Silence, which actually depicts. Um, sort of a pre-incarnate Christ uh, as a child. Um, mm. And that's a relatively new one. I mean, you can make a new pattern in, in iconography. You just have to be able to theologically and canonically defend it. Mm. Interesting. Yeah. That's what I mean. Like there are different styles though with icons, but it's not like, uh, it's not like a stylization. It's not like an art form per se. No, 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 no. And I mean that that's a pattern of the three handed virgin anyway, which is a very famous yeah. uh, iconographic image from St. John of Damascus. Because that's what I mean. Like fine art, like the thing is with fine art is that uh, with, with painting, like every painting is more or less trying to solve problems that, that you come up with and, and eventually you develop a style, blah, blah, blah. But like, uh, iconography is different in that it's not like how should I, it's like Jonathan Peugeot me and him were talking about this once it's not like it's not artwork in the sense of like an aesthetic object it's like what I was talking about before it's not an aesthetic object it's 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 very much integrated within orthodoxy it is is the conduit of orthodox practice it's not like I mean are they are they it is an an artistic practice yes is it a work of art yes but it's not like an art object it doesn't have a no purpose. Uh, i mean yeah. they're they're used for the purposes of veneration and like exactly. i said in that Substack, i'm not going to get into the apologetics of it but i mean you pray before you even begin work on them and it's just uh yeah, yeah we in the line in that prayer is is that and um and have mercy on those who will stand before these icons and how they give homage to those they represent. But yeah, and I mean there's and all the steps that you do, for instance, in that school are particularly of they all reflect creation and salvation theology. So each steps are gonna be about man's hubris, being humbled, salvation and repentance and things like that. And yeah. like we don't talk about politics purely on the show. Like I noticed that there were some in the comments that are getting upset that this is shot talk. <laughs> but like, have you yeah. not seen any episode of the show where we talk about? Literally listen, Alex, do you want to talk politics? Listen, head over. Wait, is Oren still going on with? Morgan? No, Oren is finally finished, oh. and apparently they spent the first fifteen minutes talking about Ron DeSantis and a certain uh, forceful snuggle with a struggle analogy was used to talk about Ron DeSantis. What? I gotta go. I gotta watch. Yeah, so day. you'll have fun watching that because apparently that's what happened in the first fifteen minutes. Oh my god! Did you see that? Uh, did you see that? Uh, that classic theist was on. Um, I have to watch it. I thought it was today. It was. Oh, yesterday. you told me that the other day. That classic yeah. theist and with Uber Boyo, Uber Boyo was going to be on Follow the Rules. Yeah. Oh, but Lord. I heard it was all right because like it was mostly classic theist and Uber Boyo, which is good. Oh, good. Um, I can't. Yeah, I, 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 I can only imagine the constant flow of interruptions. Yeah, you know, in Catholicism, we do have uh, illumination texts as well, right? Yeah. But like, but the practice is again pretty open ended because a lot of Catholic art, um, like like ceded its legacy to the art world as well. Like at the time, like in, through patronage. So 
but there were in-house monks that did do illumination, but the style was much more open-ended. A lot of it, like there, even in certain parts of like certain quatrains of the, you know, Catholic world, they came up um, very close to like, for example, Iranian miniatures, like a lot of Byzantine art was taken from there. And then by the time you get to um, like Germany and Ireland and Italy, all of them had different styles. So very different than <laughs> than Orthodox iconography. Although I would say that iconography does have very, you know, different uh, regional um, oh yeah, I mean a, a, well. a, a Greek styled icon is yeah. vastly different than oh, yeah. a, a Russian or a Byzantine one, just because the Greeks still maintain a lot of their Hellen Hellenist sort of art styles. Yeah. So I mean, I'm reading a book on Saint Savas the New, who was a, a 19th century Greek saint. I mean, a lot of his icons that are in the book that I'm reading are very much could be um, Greek style paintings from mm. antiquity. Very interesting. But no, uh, Khalifa, it's different. There are two different characters with Ubers and their name. You have Uber Soy and Uber Boyo. One is a Nietzschean. No, the but other see, I don't know. But you, but, but you got to see. But, okay, yeah, yeah. So uh, well, let's not talk about Yeah, Uber we'll Soy. leave it at that. I'm yeah. just saying that there's two but, different characters and I get them confused sometimes. No, but this is deep. This is deep follow the rules lore. Because one time we had on Uber Boyo and Keith Woods was stream sniping in the chat and he <laughs> called him Uber Soy. <laughs> So, so Khalifa remembers that time when Keith Woods was in the chat and he called him Uber Soyo. Oh, that was so good. Oh, delightful. Um, I mean, I listen, I love Uber Boyle. He's a friend of mine, but that was pretty. Um, what did Uber Soyo say about Daughter of Albion? What? I don't know the full bit of that. I don't want to get oh, into no, the no, 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 okay, see, Khalifa's confusing. I thought the Khalifa was referring to... No, but there was something that happened between Uber Soy and... Uh, uh, yeah, I'm not getting into it. But, um, no, but that, but in terms of Uber Boyle, that is DPTR lawyer, where Keith Woods was stream sniping, and he said he called him Uber Soyo. That was pretty, <laughs> that was pretty funny. Um, uh, yeah, but two Those were the days. Those are the days, man. Um, what did, what did Halleck say about, uh, have you noticed a major shift among millennials regarding immigration here in Canada? Is there a major shift? I, I know that there's some Canadians who are starting to be skeptical about immigration, but, um, apparently Chris Guy is running for mayor. I don't know if he's serious or not, but apparently, um, Chris Guy is running for mayor of Toronto now that John Tory like had to resign because he was banging a 30 year old intern. Um, man, that's crazy. Uh, if I was in Toronto, I'd vote for Chris Guy. I don't know. I mean, he's kind of cringe, but like, he's like, you know, I mean, come on. You can't like, listen, for, for a Canadian, you take what you can get in terms of based figures. But the whole like Chris Guy, like, listen, is Chris Guy cringe because of polyamory? Yes. But is he pretty based? Kind of based, you know, kind of based. He's kind of... <laughs> I, I don't know, like, Chris, listen, he's a fellow Paisan, so uh, I can't counter-signal Chris Guy too much. Um, can't sex scandal incel. Exactly, exactly. Um, but, you know, Alex, are you going to vote for Chris Guy? Um, I don't know. Like, can I'm you make Toronto. fun of Anania? Oof. Oh, yeah, we will. <laughs> we can do that. No, but it's funny because the, the stream did reference the Deneen thing about Lomez, but I guess, like, if you wanted to 
kayfabe that for because i was like my point was like I, I was going to say like the whole national divorce thing really is like kind of like a spiritual defeatism when when it comes to like the republican like conservatives in america they do know that like their time has come you know what i mean but when you think of it like conservatism really is like a a sort of like um a creature of the civilization's winter. You know what I mean? Mm. The reactionary, the right winger. I mean, you could argue that when it comes to the creation of a civilization, there is sort of like a force of tradition that is living that creates the bedrock of that society. But tradition, I mean, again, this is like very old, like NRX talking point, but tradition does not equate conservatism conservatism in this case really much is like the creature of the civilizational winter in, in like the Spinglerian. So I don't know. Did Sping, Spingler talked about conservatism, right? Like if I recall, like, I mean, again, it's a shame that I haven't read as much Spangler as I should, but uh, it's mentioned briefly in form and actuality. And yeah. it will sort of try and preserve the latterness of the culture that had let it let itself to its, uh, its winter. But I mean, I, I, what I find particularly depressing like this all kick-started because this has been discussed before in sort of like right-wing twitter it got kicked off again because marjorie taylor green said yeah. let's have it out and you know this goes back to nick land's point about the cracker factory and his essays on the dark enlightenment that like the oldest anglo tradition in the book has always been exit this is literally how you yeah. got america founded by a bunch of anabaptist presbyterian and puritan radicals and that plays a big role in the foundation of the country. Cause I mean, the, and even Spandrel is like all about this, like Anglo exit theory. And it's pretty ridiculous to a point where we have sitting politicians talking about it. And we fundamentally have lost the ability for exit in both 1965, but also in 1865. Yeah. It's not going to happen. You can yeah. either have, I mean, and the side that wants to be left alone will always lose to the side that wants to kill you. And the left was kind of pretty adamant about which position that they want. Also, a sort of a, a divorce, like, in theory, I'm all for, like, a hyper-federalist where, like, the state governments have way more power than the federal government does outside yeah. of the military. I'm all for that. But I also know you don't get there by being powerless or hopeless. Yeah. So, unless, and this all goes back to the same issue, like, unless you have real political power, both hard power, the ability to enforce the monopoly of violence, which even in this country, we do not have the monopoly on violence as the state. And then secondly, if you don't have the political institutions to like capture the national will and to force your enemies into cultural submission, either homogenizing them into being, say, rednecks or um, making them less gay, then we're not going to get anywhere. Mm. So to me, it's, it's both... It's a it's a white man's ghost dance in a lot of ways. Like if only we could just be left alone. And the second one being is, is that it just seems to be this powerlessness. Like they're they want to leave their abusive spouse. But yeah. Marjorie Taylor Green tweeting, I want a national divorce, is like a woman saying, I'm going to leave you after her face has just been beaten in by a doorknob because her husband grabbed her by the hair and forced her against the door. And then like, she's not goes... gonna happen. Then she goes to the emerge and she said she fell down the stairs. Yeah. So when yeah. people ask her what happens, what do they what do they say? Fell down some stairs. Oh, I just tripped and fell. I was being clumsy. I uh, I fell off the bed. Yeah. What did uh? What did uh? Um. <laughs> it was the line from The Sopranos. Uh, Richie Aprile. He's like, 
he's she's gonna join the slip and fall club like that that's terrible that's brutal um but yeah, no, yeah. So uh, there was also another point. I believe it was from an Amara Knight, of course, saying in way colorful language we can't say on YouTube, that said, like, do you really want like sections of America communized and like beholden to uh, the uh, the BIPOC LGBT uh, communism? Like, do you really want that? Like, um, Marjorie, I just found out the stare. Oh, that's terrible. It's true, that's though. Ter- it's true. It's true. Yeah, but no, I I don't want to make fun of domestic violence. You know what I mean? No, of it's course just, not. Yeah, but you you know what? You know but that's what? that's the analogy that I feel is yeah, best applicable in this is. instance. I remember one time. I shouldn't say this because it's like lost. It. I think it's still on Love's channel, but it was um. It it was uh, it was mass bastard. Where if he said something like um like things you wouldn't make fun of, right, on your podcast. And we said, like, of course, like um, you know, assault victims of a certain sexual variety. Mm-hmm. And he just like blurts you know one of those things like you know it shouldn't be funny, but in the context it was funny, he goes, Yeah, why would you make fun of him? They've been fucked anyway. <laughs> <laughs> And like, like Lev's face just like went beat red. And it's like, it was so hilarious. <laughs> yeah, why would I make fun of them? They've been fucked anyway. They've already been fucked. I'm like, oh. Like, I couldn't, like. <laughs> even now, like, thinking of, like, retelling it, it was like, it's like, we couldn't stop laughing. Oh. Man, that was hilarious. But uh, no, but yeah, we're not making fun of like domestic violence, but we're just saying that it is an apt analogy, obviously. Um, but the national divorce thing, like, um, it, it is okay. Your point about that it is sort of part of part and parcel of the Anglo spirit, which it is. But at the same time, you know, it is true. Would you want like whole dead zones in America that like eventually like a like a Caesar? type figure which i know is like the fantasy of the right wing which would probably never happen unless things get really bad um like would you really want like parts of like but then at the same time i mean parts of america kind of are kind of you know i'm not i'm not bullish on a caesar figure coming anytime soon like do i think that somehow somewhere in the middle of america that there's going to be some grass-fed, beef-fed guy that's going to turn into the Caesar with the soul of Christ that will reconquer America and make it what it's supposed to be? I don't. Probably not. Would it be nice? Yes. Mm-hmm. But most likely, um, as this oh, country, I think... Well, that's the debate Astral and I had when we talked about um, the second volume two of Spangler was just that, yeah. was there what kind, of, what kind of Caesar will come? Is it blue, purple, red? I mean, we're already in a second religiosity. There is a very heretical wearing of the skin suit form of Christianity that is happening right now. Oh, yeah. And uh, I think that in that regard, that who knows what Caesar may be. Maybe it's blue. Maybe we've already had it. Maybe it was FDR. Lord only knows. Oh, maybe Obama. Maybe. No. But I, I think no one has ever had the same level of presidential and executive authority solely vested in. Oh, then FDR? No. Then no. FDR. Yeah. We've never had a more authoritarian president, maybe close to Abraham Lincoln. Maybe. Those two. Yeah, I'd be, yeah, probably Lincoln, but no, FDR definitely is like, yeah. 
I mean, I, yeah, I think there's Obama nothing wrong with was... a little bit of gallows humor not being on you. I agree. Of course. No, but I think Obama wanted to be FDR. It's just that I he wanted to be the black Woodrow Wilson. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but you know, but, but when it comes to the national divorce, I, but then again, like I'm on the fence because there are parts of America that pretty much are lost to like the libs that are never coming back. Um, and, but at the same time, I mean, would you want to empower a separate system? I mean, it, 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 the whole discourse is stupid because like the basic point is true. It's like, they're not going to leave you alone. That's like a fantasy. And, you know, I mean, the whole like cope about, well, the conservatives have more guns and we have all the farmland. It's like, no, they'll just like use their finance. They'll use their ill-gotten usury finance system that they've built in the coastal cities to just import their own resources. And in terms of like, to consider like, okay. In terms of like the, the grunt level, like frontline infantry and the military. Yeah. They probably do vote Republican more, but there are a lot of like, just go to mill Twitter. Okay. Go to mill. You want a black pill? Go to military Twitter. There are a lot of libs who have been in the military. It's, it's shocking. It's, it's like, you know, I mean, prove you, you probably know more than anybody. Um, you there? Yeah, I'm here. I'm just reading out that. Yeah, I have criticisms of people, and I don't think that anyone will say I'm stealing their ideas. I blatantly will attribute them to Yarvin, God's dominatrix. Although, in terms of executive authority, yeah. And if you want to talk about Nixon, then yeah, we can't talk about Nixon without talking about Daniel Patrick Moynihan in the same way that I can't avoid talking about Colonel House when talking about Woodrow Wilson. Um, there are still a lot of things that I find cringe about Yarvin, and he's not wrong 100% of the time. The thing that I want to have important in this discussion, the same way that the distributors just talked about it, is that the authenticity for discussion, I think, exists here. Like, if you want criticisms of people, I hope that you find them here on the right. If I'm wrong about something, I better hope that the best goddamn criticisms of me and my ideas come from someone like a colleague or in my comment section or someone on the right. Um, I don't, like, that just tends to be the case in point. But also, it's not even very Yarvin. It's also very old right paleoconservatism that exists long before Yarvin. Really? This is why I, every bloody time I tell people, please, for the love of God, read the people's pottage. You will see the absolute deprecation of the American political system from its democracy promises that FDR ran on and went back against them. Like that, that goes much older than Curtis. And this is why one of the best things that Yarvin's got is the literature that he recommends. Um, I, I think that that seems to be very much on the point. People's Pottage by uh, Garrett Mises Garrett. Institute? Yeah, oh. you can find it on the Mises Institute, but it was written by Peter Edwin Garrett, also known as Garrett Garrett, author, novelist, writer of the uh, and editor of the Saturday Evening Post. Oh, really, eh? Yeah. That was the one that uh, Norman Rockwell illustrated. Plenty. But there was also quite a few um, sort of what constitutes like the old right uh, would be this like mishmash of overlap. It wasn't purely ideological, but it wasn't very much a reaction to FDR's executive authority. Yeah. I should read people's pottage. Yeah. I need to, I, ha I have like a script that I've never recorded about Garrett Garrett that I need to get out. Maybe I'll put it on Substack. Yeah, man. Don't, <laughs> you shouldn't have gotten so hot though. Like God's dominatrix is always like that. So it's, <laughs> Well, I'm going to get hot regardless listen, if I find it necessary. Listen, I love God's dominatrix, but he's kind of a little bit of a troll. A little bit of a troll. 
Um, no, but uh, no, but <laughs> no, I just saw you were getting a little steamy there. But um, no, I mean, yeah, the whole Blue Caesar thing, it does go beyond Yarvin. But also, like, uh, when I think of it, I, I think more of the um, the, the rec- semi-recent uh, Scott Greer article. He wrote one about the Blue Caesar. I have oh. not read it. Yeah. Does he, is everything of his behind a paywall? I don't think so. Okay, then maybe I'll read it. I do know his podcast is, or some portions, but, which is why I don't pay he for He eventually Scott. releases it I on his YouTube channel. Oh, well, good, 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 because I don't pay for Scott Greer's content. Yeah, yeah. There are, there are very few people that I shell out my money to, uh, Skeptical Waves being one of them, but yeah, I don't pay for Scott Greer. Oh, man. Um. Yeah. Uh, no, but but yeah, the national divorce thing. I think people are beating it to death, though. That's well, thing. it's such a cyclical thing in our politics. Like, I mean, and it, and it didn't used to have the title of national divorce. It used to just be straight up separatism or secession. The yeah, you got to learn from us Canadians, us Leafs. We have separatism. <laughs> you know? Well, I mean, we, we just, we, we just use the language of the Civil War. Like, you know, we talk about you know Texas seceding or the Greater Idaho Project, like. Um, we just used to use the words secession. I don't know why this national divorce thing means, like, I don't know why that language has come up because divorce also implies there's going to be some like mediated split when usually that's never the case. And it also, if anyone's ever been a part of a divorce or has ever seen divorce up close or works in family law, Mm. you know that it's going to be filled with a bunch of like backstabbing, hiding of money, burning of books and resources that they can't use against you. Lying, indoctrinating your kids. Lying, you know, alienating your kids from the other parent. And then the other issue that I always take with like national divorces is like, well, you're now telling the rest of the world, which relies on sort of its reserve currency, its military where does that go from there, right, geopolitically speaking? Yeah. You're asking for open invitation in the same way that the rest of the world was more or less invited into the post-Soviet Union to ensure that nuclear weapons didn't get into the wrong hands. And I don't think anyone's comfortable with the idea of uh, a foreign occupation or foreign visitation into, say, Montana or whatever, um, mm. where all the nukes are, you know? Like, that's another thing. Like, it, it it's always been, a, I think, a issue of spiritual... Um, sort of resignation. Yeah. So but, I mean, that's my yeah. that's my view. Oh, hundred percent. But I, I feel like um, it, it, like it's an admission that the the right wing in America doesn't control the destiny of America itself. That's you know, I feel like it would only just like double down on that basic insight that is you know blackpilling, like. It's hard to say. Um, as things get bad, though, I do feel that there will be some kind of like passive national divorce in the sense of like there will be certain like red states that will realize that like maybe it'd be best if we ignore the federal government strategically. Like I think J.D. Vance, you know, like I said in Ohio, like there will be whole states that will, you know, I mean, Ron DeSantis in Florida, uh, you know, Meatball, um, there, I, that trend will continue, I feel. And there will be, like, not a national divorce, but there'll be, um, I don't know, I mean, it'll be a stupid I'm term. Passive-aggressive ignoring. Yeah. Yeah. I mean... The, I uh, the Bundy Ranch option. <laughs> Which, again, <laughs> I think you'll need to require some significant hard power to deter any sort of oh, encroachment. Definitely. 
which is why I think the one thing that people were getting interested in was that like Ron DeSantis wanted to increase like Florida's like state guard, not like the, not the, not the national guard, not the national guard, but like the state guard um, and increase its budget, which would include aircraft and things like that, which is like the first time we've ever seen that. So I, I don't know if like Ron is like secretly setting up some kind of nullification crisis to play mm-hmm. out again. Who knows? It's uh but Florida super soldiers. <laughs> Florida, yeah, cocaine bear, but it's a Florida super soldier making sure that um, kids aren't being taught how to mutilate themselves at age six. <laughs> making sure kids don't read Angela Davis. That's uh, for even better. <laughs> Judge Dredd, but making sure six-year-olds don't read <laughs> Angela J- Davis. Oh, my God. And they're wearing pit vipers and got, like, the Don Johnson look from Miami Vice. <laughs> Oh, that'd be hilarious. Yeah. I can't believe they made a film on the I remember watching a Mr. Ballin video about the cocaine bear. But they made a film about it. That's hilarious. I think it's gonna turn into a someone's I, I think it'll turn into one of those schlocky cult classic movies that gets yeah. a Blu-ray remaster twenty years from now. Yeah. Like we'll be a good example of that. Like Cujo. Was was Cujo that bad? Was it panned that badly when it came out? I think so. Okay, because it was just a stupid premise. Like bad it was dog. No, but if they but if they had a pitbull, it would be. I was like, about to say, they were, yeah, Cujo, Way more believable. Cujo twenty twenty three. It's a pitbull, and it's here for your children. Yeah, it'll be like uh, Zoe Saldana and like some other. You know, no, 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 no. It'll be like uh it'll be like a bunch of uh white women. Oh it will oh yeah, so it'll be like um What do you there's nothing wrong with my pit baby? Who's that one that's banging Eric Andre? Why is she popular now? The Redikowski woman? Eric Andre is with a white woman? Yeah, that Radikowski, Radichowski, I forget how to pronounce her name. Oh, yeah, the, Emily Radichowski or whatever. What is she? Is she an actress or a model? She was an actress. Wasn't she the chick from the American version of Shameless? Oh, that's why I don't know about her. Yeah. Man. Sharknado vibes. Yeah, except Sharknado. way more Sharknado budget. Was yeah. Sharknado was based. <laughs> like, it was... <laughs> I remember they had I wa- I was watching um Z Nation at the time and they had the woman from Z Nation that in the in Sharknado three. That was pretty cool. And Coulters in Sharknado two. Never yeah. forget that. Yeah, never forget. Everyone and their mother wanted to be in Sharknado two. <laughs> oh man. Eric yeah. Did Ann Coulter get eaten Ann by Col- a shark? Yeah, I think so. Oh, I've only God. seen the first one. I have I, I have been brutally informed that there is like seven or eight of these. Oh yeah, as the vice president, she was the vice president. Um, and yeah, Coulter. yeah, I do like Mister Balling. Uh, he's pretty good. It's pretty like I like uh, ne- ne- bedtime stories. Uh, see, my old man listens to all that, like all those creepy podcasts. You know, like he literally just has an iPad just to listen to like those type of podcasts. Like, there's that. Oh, there's that one where it's like this black woman from the south. She's great. I love her. Like she's she does the ghost stories. I forget what the podcast is called, but she's got that like soulful black woman voice. I love it. It's a, 
Like, what are you going to talk about? We're going to talk about this ghost story today. It's like, oh, man, I love that one. Anthony Weiner was in Sharknado. I think he was in Sharknado too. That's crazy. That's crazy. Um, oh, even Fo- Jared Fogle was in Jared Fogle. Was, oh, no. Yeah. And Matt uh, Lauer. Matt Lauer was, oh, that's blast from the past, man. What Do you remember when he was like scared? 2014. What a time to be alive. Yeah, that was great. Um, I remember remember that one. Uh, apparently, Ann Coulter is getting married again. Again. Yeah, no one's getting. She is slowly Matthews. turning into the uh, Larry King. <laughs> she just marrying everybody. Oh, <sighs> Ann Coulter. Yeah, she's gonna be like. Uh, what is she doing? Other yeah. than telling people to go back to their country, yeah, I'm. I'm. Ann Coulter is like, what? What's your opinion, Ann Coulter? Uh, um, other than, I mean, she's just fo- she's just always been focused about immigration. I mean, she criticized yeah. Trump for a lot of the issues of not being hard enough on the border. So, I don't know. Like, I, I don't have anything too bad to say about her. Other than she makes the mig- libs mad. She, yeah, she she pisses off the right people. <laughs> Yeah, I haven't read a lot of her work. Me neither. Um, to be perfect, I've read some of her columns and I've seen some of her television appearances, and I don't have a problem with her at all. I'm sure that someone's going to tell me that why I shouldn't support her or like her, but um, you know, she's good. Like she makes those like mass market paperback like conserva books that you find at Walmart. <laughs> you know, like you find a like like the. Like the box. Um, Let's take a look at her box sales. Coulter books. Let's just see what she's got. Um, all right, Adios America in 2015. <laughs> How to talk to a liberal if you must. Resistance is futile. Oh uh, in 2018. God. In Trump we trust in 2016. Yeah, Racial demagoguery from the 70s to Obama. I bet you that book's still pretty good. Yeah. Um, demonic. How the liberal mob is endangering America, as in 2011. You gotta go with the older ones. The Godless, the Church of Liberalism. That one was that during the Obama years? Nope, Bush. Oh wow! Even during Bush, she had to like. Maybe she like probably predicted a lot of like the shit liberty. Guilty liberal victims and their assaults on America. That's in two thousand nine. See these never are... trust a liberal over three, especially a Republican. These are like. These are like core, like like the titles. They're so like Fox News. I kind of want to read some of these. Yeah, and just like Mark, them. <laughs> I read Mark Levin's book. I have not. You know, I don't. I did buy whose book did I buy? You know, I, I liked Mark Levin because he was entertaining when he like like his heart condition wasn't too bad, so he would like bomb on these like libs that would like call him in like these low iq liberals mm. so you'd just be like insulting them like it was so cringe like listen when i was in high school i used to like listen to a lot of cringe talk radio like um like even in class i would be like let me educate you because i was like trying to like mimic mark levin i know it's so cringe even just admitting that but like, <laughs> i was like an, i was such a shit in high school like i was like let me ed-. i was like i had this politics class and i was like let me educate you like, I would always say that. I would just like, piss off my teacher. <laughs> oh, man. I would do similar stuff when I was in college, so don't don't feel yeah. too bad. You would call him, like, Matt Damon, Matt Demon? No, but I would definitely be willing to strike up a debate or play devil's advocate in my yeah. uh, con law class. 
Yeah, like Mark Levine would like call Matt Demon. Um, How did you not become a fedora tipper? <laughs> <laughs> there was a few like strate- I can like see like in my life. Uh, there was like a few, like if I went down certain paths, I could have been that. Um, did I listen to Lowell Green? I haven't listened to Lowell Green. Um, then I start, you know. I then I went and listened to Rush Limbaugh. Like you gotta admit, Rush Limbaugh was pretty based though. He, he was pretty was he was pretty I mean, based. without Rush Limbaugh, you don't get yeah. most of today's right wing media personalities. Hundred percent. There's like a little like a, a dominoes chain between like Rush Limbaugh and the right stuff. Oh, absolutely. <laughs> absolutely. Yeah. Probably very much the case. Why between like Rush Limbaugh and Mikey and uh, <laughs> no, I'm kidding. I, well, maybe not, but I'm but kidding. I will, I, I'm going to take two seconds to go to the bathroom so Gio, please keep the uh, audience entertained. Yeah, sure. Um, so anyways, I, I had a few notes here about um, National Divorce, what is reaction. I think that there is something about, again, this is old territory, but there is something about um, the foundation of a civilization and tradition that very much is living and is not living in the sense of like living tree. Like if you're talking about the American constitution, there's like the living tree doctrine. I mean that tradition is something perennial within society. Even if that society by virtue of its own spirit becomes something fundamentally different and by change of technology and so forth, there is something there that is um, perennial. But reaction and tradition is something different than conservatism. Conservatism is, by definition, must be a creature of the winter. It must be something that is trying desperately to preserve what a manifestation of that tradition that existed within the past, but by definition cannot be brought into the future because tradition is something that has within it a future orientation. And I think that that's a problem with, you know, conservatives, especially in America or in North America in general, because Canada is, you know, definitely even more of a worst example of this in that you are trying to preserve something that by definition, because conservatives consent to the predicates of the libs, you know, of their enemies, essentially, they can't, it's an impossible task. It's like literally a Sisyphean task. And so when you do get these discourses about national divorce it's not only is it consenting to that decline by saying that it's irredeemable. So let the libs have their own states, let the libs have their own separate entities, which by the way, already kind of exists anyways. I mean, liberals and conservatives in America, I mean, mean, conservatives are liberals, but let's say left-wingers and the conservatives in America pretty much do live totally separate lives. But an acceleration of that would already admit what we already knew, right? So many I think such like, cases. yeah, many such cases. I actually, I have no idea what you're talking about. I just got back. Oh no, I was talking about living tradition versus conservatism, oh, but I was going to show that I, I, I want to work on an article that I might have out by tomorrow or Saturday, most likely Saturday. That will be about, uh, well, it's about like the dating discourse and incels, but it's going to be about, uh, I believe the nature of desire. So hopefully that will uh, pay off. I'll see where that goes. Um, yeah. So anyways, uh, wow. did we have anything more to talk about? We had a lot of things to talk about, but like, uh, we'll I like how you're casually flipping through a notebook 
Uh, yeah, okay. yeah. I like that you have notes. I don't actually have notes when I do this. <laughs> sometimes I don't have notes, but then, yeah, sometimes I have notes, most times I don't. But, it, like, it depends. If you're talking about, like, one specific thing, you'll have notes. Like, I had a bunch of notes uh, when we do, like, the media review things. Yeah. I did take, yeah, for all the movie reviews that we've done, I have notes for. Yeah. But it's kind of wild, though, like, Patrick Deneen attacking Lomez. Because, like, I know you want to, like, save it, but, like, uh, it's wild because everyone thought, like, I remember back in, like, 20, when, like, 2018, like, you know, I remember back when I was still writing for Thermidor, like, people, like, when Deneen came out with, like, why liberalism failed, that was, like, a huge deal for us. And it I was. think like Deneen just like it still totally... is a huge deal. Yeah, like, it's a very good book. Yeah, yeah, and like I think Deneen just like totally misconstrues his readership. You know, it's kind of like Gordon Ramsay saying like you've totally misjudged your market, Joe, about that Joe Nagy guy in Ohio. I think it was Ohio or was it Idaho? I forget. Um, the guy with the calf with the the bistro. He's like you totally misjudged your market. It's like Patrick Deneen like totally misjudged his market. Like, he just pissed off the frogs that supported him, you know? Because we all thought that Patrick Deneen, for for a time, was essentially, like, writing for the frogs. But he's not writing for the frogs. So, I don't know who he's writing about. It's kind of like Rod Dreyer. It's like, who's he going to write for anymore? It's like I mean, I he's still going to write for the American conservative in the same way yeah. that Deneen will still write for first things. Yeah. And will, you know, go to conferences at universities to talk about integralism and its political format alongside Adrian Vermeule and others. Like, he's secured in his position. He's okay yeah. with his station. There are some people that realize that maybe we don't... Well, like, I, I said this in the substack, so you want to talk to frogs about sort of the interface between the anonymous talking to the more establishment credentialed figures and vice versa, because there's always going to be animosity. There's animosity that Deneen has because some anonymous figure, Lomez managed to get published in first things, basically his own backyard. Mm. And at the same time, there's animosity that people like ourselves have towards them because we want their jobs because yeah. they're gatekeepers. They hold people back and so on and so forth. Yeah. And I, I recommend Deneen's job. I would love Patrick Deneen's job. I would love Rod Dreyer's job where I have to yeah. like just, churn out easy boomer con content for the american conservative for the rest of my life 100%. and if all else goes bad in my life i'll flee to some eastern european country and i'll be fine um and so yeah i mean that's that that's a big takeaway i thought out of this is that because lomez's article is short skeptical waves has it narrated it's only like seven minutes long if you want to listen to it mm. and it cites normies it doesn't cite anything like that i mean pinker's referenced um <laughs> i mean it's not like it's a ridiculous article and as we yeah. mentioned i think very at the very beginning is that there were people that talked about this you know in 2016 in 2015 2014 that are more or less citing the same people about safetyism the effeminization of the workplaces, mm -hmm. uh, the Hitchens were both referenced. I mean, these things, it was very tame. It's not like he's citing Francis Parker Yaki about his case <laughs> about the longhouse. He's not. Yeah. He's not. He's, he's not citing, um, oh, I'm trying to think. He's not citing Siege to make his point. He's not saying James Mason. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. He's not. Yeah, he's not citing he, uh, Hanania was referenced. He was like, no... It was calm. It was tame. It was a professionally well done article. But yeah. because Lomez is, doesn't use his real name or face, um, ergo the enemy. 
has presented itself. And it is anonymous, and it is a part of the vagabond of troll demons. So, you know, heaven forbid. Alright, troll demon! Like, I just, yeah. Just, Some of my best friends happen to be anonymous troll demons, but you know. <laughs> Show your face, troll demon! That's like, I, it's just like, I love what Peterson said that. That's like, unleash so much meme fodder. You absolute coward. You absolute coward, how dare you? I had this like, um... Reveal yourself, coward. Come out of the shadows. <laughs> oh, God. Oh, oh man. But uh, I, it is I was going to say something about... Yeah, I was going to say something about... Jordan and uh, Mikhail, Mikhail, how do you pronounce your name? Michaela? Uh, Michaela Peterson? Yeah, you know that scene in The Color Purple where <laughs> they're possessed, like, the, with the father and the. Never mind, never mind, never mind. And, and, he's, and Jordan's, like, trying to fight her. Like, no, no, Michaela, no. But he's like, oh, oh like, never mind, never mind. No, not gonna, <laughs> he's gonna go there. Um, oh, Lord. <laughs> there's some weird things happening between those two. But, um, you don't say. Um, but, anyways, uh, super chats? Yeah, let's go to, let's go towards. All right, so send, send your super chats before we end the stream. So, yes, you have the entropy links in the description. And uh, let's go through the Is rest Michaela of them. Fat enough? She's all right. She's not that great, but like she's got a good body. But like, Uncanny Valley Peterson. Yeah, she's got that Uncanny Valley look. Yeah. Alrighty, well, let's go. Plus, she's a, she's a Wendigo, top. so that's not gonna. She's she's <laughs> she's a cryptid now. She's a Wendigo. Okay. Don't listen. Do not Google Jordan Peterson Wendigo psychosis. Oh but, well, but it affects Canadians. So there is another leaf of another political persuasion that hates Peterson that's uh, probably going through a Wendigo psychosis right now. But but masking it through rehab. I'm talking about Keffels. Keffels oh. going to rehab. Really? But probably, yeah, but it's probably Wendigo psychosis. Oh, well. Uh, good for... Uh... It's always us Canadians. So one day I will go through... I will say that I have to go to rehab, but it will be Wendigo psychosis. When, when you I say when you say you have to go to rehab, it'll mean that we finally get you into America. Yeah, true. Uh, it'll be it'll be after I visit Algonquin Park and try to go through the Tom Thompson Trail. But really, I will have been bitten by a Wendigo, and I'll have to go through um, Wendigo psychosis treatment. Listen, Spasticus, don't remind me that she, she is another Italian early, uh early psychiatrist to refer to a mental condition in which patients felt possessed by cannibalistic tendencies. Yeah, but and it's real, though. I believe it. It's actual Wendigos. It's this not ex- like... This explains their uh, raw meat deal or their, their carnivore diet. Yeah. Uh. But, but, I mean, I'm saying that Peterson was bitten by an actual Wendigo. Not this psychology bullshit and tried to self-medicate with benzos and here we are yeah exactly god what a tragedy i'm actually really upset though because he goes through the most like dostoevsky style of suffering yeah in the most christian sense of the word and total turbo suffering and and then decides to sell out yeah and i think i had i have it bad with like my chronic uh you know i had sadika for many years that's nothing compared to like Peterson and ironically did suffer more like heroic feats of suffering. But the problem is like 
I didn't but know. rather Something's than finding God, you decided to sell out and have dinners with Benjamin Netanyahu. Yeah. That's what oh. I mean. Like you'd figure like you'd figure Peterson, like he'd get some guidance from his friend Jonathan. Peugeot. You'd think you'd think Peugeot would like drag him to church. I would pray that yeah. that happens, but nevertheless. I um, feel like Peugeot can't though, because like Peterson's at like such a level, you know, it's like Plus I, I think Peterson's probably got handlers around him too. Like his daughter. Oh, probably. Yeah. He's probably oh. got a whole team. Like Ben he, Shapiro just like airlifted a media team for him. It, it, almost at this point, I feel like Peterson looks at the world like Ivan does and the brothers Karamazov. Holy crap. Peugeot should just simply answer with a kiss on the cheek and show yeah. goodness and love. But all right. The first super right. chat of today is from Captain Smith for 10 pounds. Thank you so much. Oh! Hey, hey Prude, have you seen uh, Britannica Politica's Callum from Lotus Eater's recent video where he visited Luhansk? He met your Russian doppelganger who turned out to be a <laughs> wacker soul. Uh, well, I well, have what He's been volunteering for Wagner. Well, I have not seen it, but I guess I'll go watch it if there's a, 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 a Wagner PNC that's, that's pretty ballsy of, like, Lotus of, of Carl to like send his top guy to Luhansk. I'm surprised that he went. Uh, what made, and he's also visited Afghanistan, where Whoa. and he's just like sold all of the stuff that he has from everything from like badges to rugs. I have not. I have oh, not is this watched the guy. Did, I think I watched a video of him with uh, with uh, Sir with uh, Sir Nigel. Sorry, um, Lord Nigel. Oh, well, I have not. I have not seen it, Captain Smith. But I will make it a priority this weekend to watch it. If anything, just to see my uh, Russian doppelganger. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, I follow Callum on Twitter. I quite like what he's up to. Nice. I mean, he's an interesting character. Uh, MG for 199 US. Geoforce Prue to watch Xavier Renegade Angel. Yeah. I actually answered this one in the <laughs> chat. I, I've seen Xavier Renegade Angel. So oh, yeah? One of these days we should do a... a I should a, watch it. We should do that, yeah. And, and XRA retrospective. Sorry, Lord Miles. Fuck. I had a oh, yeah, there. Lord yeah. Miles Rutledge. I don't know how I feel about him. No? I, I Why, you think your, he's a glowy? If only slightly. Mm, I interviewed him. Oh, I mean, I mean, in B- BTR, not... Oh, yeah. Yeah. I was like, I remember that episode. I actually tuned into that one. Oh, yeah. It was a good one. It was a good one. I like how he like he like tries to like bitch slap like uh, his own like British culture. He's like Afghanistan was less dangerous than going into like going to a pub in Lutz. <laughs> going to a pub in East London. Afghanistan was less dangerous. Like there's probably a drop of truth in that. Let's not. Yeah, there ourselves. is probably. Robert Pin for five dollars Canadian. Uh, Jolly Heretic had an interview with an heiress of Kellogg's last hour. She is uh, interesting. Oh, yeah, because the stream was about female autism. Oh, did Jolly Heretic get her to say G-O-Y slop? No idea. Oh, my God. That'd be, amazing. that'd be hilarious. But I'll have to tune into his Odyssey channel where he uploads all of his interviews, more or less. Yeah. Unless it's still up when we get off the air. Yeah, I I don't watch enough of Jolly Heretic to like, you know. Dutton is an interesting character. Yeah. I like him. I like the little sort of like costumey gags he does. But I mean, he will take a few inklings of data and like any like autistic white man, he will simply uh, notice the pattern and then take it to its most yeah. based or ridiculous conclusion. I quite enjoy it. Well, I said she's insufferable faker. So An insufferable faker. Okay. 
Well, I'm scrolling up to see to get to the super chat, so I'll have to see them. Oh, she's bit. pretending to be Trad, but she's a heiress for Kellogg's. How can she an, pretend to be Trad? An heiress of the Kellogg family. Like that's, that's that would be story. like someone from the Walton family being like, "Oh yeah, I need to like buy a like go live on a farm." It's like, <laughs> bro, your family owns most of American farmland besides Bill Gates. Yeah. Tuesday, Mister F A. Why did my mind go right to the Waltons? Actually, because they're evil. No, but I mean the show, The Waltons. Um, oh, well, good night, John Boy. You know, <laughs> probably why, because it's a trad sort of homesteader kitsch. Yeah. Um, unpopular opinion. We probably need to do climate lockdowns. The Earth's climate has rapidly destabilized in the last seven years or so. What does a climate lockdown look like? Like no travel, no, cro- well, I mean. I agree with that. That's based. Yeah, like no no cross border travel. Like, are we saying death to the Schengen area? Are we saying death to international uh, commodity, like all international trade? Yeah. What does it look like? That's based because the like closest thing idea. we got was during the Lincoln pill. <laughs> <laughs> Basically, right? But the closest thing we got was that ever so memeable, you know, like nature is healing. We are the virus, sort of irony shit posting in twenty twenty. Oh yeah, about the about the the. Uh kelp in the certain asian tourist spots yeah or or whales visiting in italy or whatever yeah and it's like oh wow like the venice canals they're actually blue water you can see like the bottom it's like nature is healing we are the virus so it's just like mm. my problem with most things that would actually reasonably do well to tackle climate issues is that the left utilizes like environmentalism is more or less as just a gateway projects for more anti-humanism anti-humanism make work projects for their own globalization yeah um does that mean like the right wing does need a more no there's positive... a base version of this there's what there's a base version of this climate lockdown yeah what is it like okay, oh you finish your point first i, I cut you well off. I, my, my issue is just that like the left's answer is always more make work globalism and yeah. we need more climate refugees oh <laughs> we work globalism yeah. That's like parallax optics, like the we work aesthetic. Yeah, we work globalism for yeah. you know, quote unquote, the environment. I mean, just imagine Greta Thunberg telling you to like end your life forever. That's the future. Yeah. Um, but instead of Greta Thunberg, it's like some you know, I guess Cameroonian climate refugee telling you to do that. Yeah, because that's what's good for you. You know, like imagine zero HP less. Mbembe is going to tell you to. <laughs> To enter enter the carbon reduction booth and and, and end it all. You know what's funny? Because in Necropolitics, he does talk about environmental racism. Of course. (laughs) So Akila Mbembe from Cameroon would be like telling you you need a climate lockdown. Um, What I dislike is rural Canadian. All this shit's going to be harder. Well, what what province do you live in, Nudge Unit? Um, Saskatchewan? I'm guessing Saskatchewan. Uh, no, but okay. My base version of this would be uh, James Howard Kunstler had this uh, this interview where he talks about it. I believe with Collapse Theorist or Collapse Chronicles, where he's like, the thing is though, you'd have to like radically transform your way of life to where travel would become like a super luxury. Um, globalization would have to be tapered down to like the basic necessities, and people would have to live not in like like the whole like walkable city like 20 minute city like i feel like a lot of this is like there is like the globalist bug hive like 20 minute city that is like total world economic forum well yeah where it's meant for like a city of 20 million people 
Yeah. The right wing version, I think, has always been scaled down. The right wing version is like the Piazza model of someone like Wrath of Neon. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. there is a right wing version to this, but I feel like the problem is when it gets memefied to where people like will have like the right wing will also eat the bugs and live in the pod, but the, the pod is like the Varg Vickeners, like rural um, Hobbit Shire. But like that being said, I do feel that we in the future. Okay, it's climate. My old man here is like listens to this episode. He's gonna like have a fit. He's gonna like he's gonna like go into my like he's gonna like have an argument with me for like two hours at least. But I do think that there is a degree of anthropogenic global warming that's happening. But I don't think it's like as civilization ending as people think. I think that pollution You'd also have to deglobalize most of Southeast Asia. Yeah, that's base though. That 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 needs to happen. Um I feel like there is a degree of anthropogenic global warming, but I think that pollution and other environmental catastrophes will probably get us much quicker than like a, a, a slight increase in like global warming. But I do feel that we we would have to re-examine our entire way globalization of and the way we live in general. I do feel that that's going to be something that's a real possibility in maybe not our well probably at the end of our lifetime probably if some of we'll, us we'll live to kids. see we will live to see i think some of those greater consequences i don't think the, yeah. the anthropogenic warming part will be the issue no no i it'll do be think, other things no yeah microplastics I, the microplastics for yeah. sure will definitely be one i don't think i don't know how mankind recovers from that 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 may be the cellular Hiroshima that actually yeah. I, think it, I think something else is already the cellular Hiroshima, but oh, Lord yeah. only knows. I wrote about that in Substack. Um, <laughs> look, at, look, look at Bourgeois B. This is exactly what my old man would say to me too. What? Um, the World Economic Forum's gotten to you. <laughs> <laughs> That's something exactly what my old man would say to me. He said that to me when I said like, you know, maybe, maybe anthropogenic global warming, maybe like there's some validity to it. Like in terms of like the base, there is validity that man, yeah. I'm trying to be very careful for YouTube purposes. There is definitely, I don't think it's like the 99% all agree on X, Y, Z model, but like, you have no, to be pretty, all, you have to be pretty damn stupid to not think that mankind has had a deliberate negative impact on the environment. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Um, d- just Mr. Diaz, the right opinion. Walkable says is a scam. Well, I mean, it is a scam, but like the only way to have walkable cities is if you had all those other base things, like immigration would have to slow to a crawl. You'd have to have selective homogenous society, like you'd have to exactly. You'd have to have much. Is a, a walkable city and probably a fifteen, well, probably a twenty-minute city, but it's public transportation's usable, and yeah. no one's shooting up heroin on the on the you know late night train ride on their way home. But to quote the 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 scholar, the absolute. Uh, intellect of our time, Scott Adams. There's no fixing this. There's no fixing this. <laughs> uh, Bartholomew yeah, the Red the fuck out. <laughs> for six ninety nine Canadian. Six ninety nine kid. Oh, Canadian. Okay, now nah, I'm not gonna do that. <laughs> With regards <laughs> to beauty, that handsome rich wasps are the villains in 1980s movies, while ugly diverse nerds are the heroes. Was an incredibly successful sci-fi. It was. It was. Um, and I mean, if you want a further breakdown of this, I mean, Black Pilt's actually got a pretty damn damning take on uh die hard on this issue about yeah. you know <laughs> uh but look at this from from frazier walkable cities involve the made pro oh 
God. First of all, listen. In Canada, walkable cities, they can't be a thing. But for made. Yeah. Oh, God. Um, No, but in Canada, it becomes harder because everything's way more spaced out. I feel like in North America in general. Then again, like, I mean, in big cities, you could have it. But, like, would you want it in big cities? Like, would you want to have 20-minute Toronto? I don't think so. Um, Mm. 20-minute Brampton would be, like... uh, I don't know. It'd be, I don't know if I could get dope. anywhere in Dallas for, for in 20 minutes, you know, I, I one, I don't think that's possible. Just how big that place it's, it's, it's slowly turning into like these mega regions. Like we're slowly getting the, the cosmopolis world city yeah. that Spangler described, but you telling me if I could get from anywhere in Dallas in 20 minutes, one total revamp of infrastructure Two, you would need to reduce the population of that city by at least a million people. Yeah. Which I mean, could be done. But, uh, you know, I, I, <laughs> I'm kidding. I'm kidding. Uh, you know, we can't look oh into that. Boy. But yeah, I mean, in regards to this, this has been the case forever. It's always been like, this is why, like, I, if you want to have a good time, look up the real statistics of crime in New York City and then watch an episode of Law and Order. Yeah. It's always, uh, you know, white criminals. It's never steve saylor approved racially accurate oh, crime boy. statistics of law and order because why could why can't you do that it's like ah gee another episode where it's another black guy that got arrested by elliot stapler and what's her name you know i Mariska think they get, Haggerty. yeah they get really tired of oh, Haggerty's character yeah, yeah. yeah ellie you know stapler and benson arrest another yeah. black gangbanger it wouldn't be like it. lapd blue or like yeah yeah hill street like, blues yeah or like nypd blue would be like the uh it wouldn't be like the shield, put it that way. The closest thing you get remotely, and I mean, even then, it's still woke as hell. Like another example, like Yellowstone, when we talk about like shit liberty and like white <laughs> television and you know, yellow soy, like all that sort of like woke shit liberty that's in sort of like conservative television shows. <laughs> yeah. I mean, look no further than Blue Bloods. Oh, yeah, the still fully yeah. intact Roman Catholic irish family that i mean which let's face it the, the irish catholics still pretty have a large domination of the nypd but yeah. i mean let's take a, a wholly intact the racist irish catholic cops in, yeah in new york and, and then we're going to talk about body cams and like you know racial violence and talk about how they they need to do better i mean that's another show that needs to get its proper right-wing breakdown but absolutely um mr red it's so true yeah uh space trains for five dollars australian uh friends friends down under geo imagine oz but it is set in a future political prison and all the gangs are fat (laughs) (laughs) i could make a lot of jokes there but uh of course like trs would be like the aryan brother (laughs) um bap would be uh the the vital they they would have like um they don't all they don't all the chalk yeah, that you would yeah. need to get into the the iron yard. Who would own the tits though? The tits. Well, us. I don't know. Like who? Who'd be more inclined to be drug dealers? The Vapist? Mm. I don't know. No. I'm trying which, to think. Which like, which if, which side of the E right has the, the most... no? The eggs would be the tits, though. It wouldn't be actual drugs. It would be like raw eggs. Would be there you like, go. Yeah. Um. That would be like I could imagine a show like Oz, but all the gangs are like. Like post like uh FEMA camp right wing <laughs> you know. Uh Blue Caesar putting Could all you, the chuds in prison. Just call it just call it like, you know, Hogan's heroes, but it's less like all the right wing post liberal guys are 
in this like German POW camp, <laughs> ran by Pete Buttigieg and his husband. Oh, look at this by Nikki Vallejo and Gio and Pretty. Welcome to come to the Philippines. Ah, oh, maybe one day. I, Asia's been the one place that uh, that's super vague, but I mean, I've not been to any Asia. Trad like, guys with Filipino wives. Oh, we're not libertarians, Gio. <laughs> we're not libertarians, sex tourists. Oh, God. Oh, uh, man. Uh, <laughs> oh, snuck clarity. Look, oh, my gosh. Look at his uh, profile picture. Mr. Peanut goes to war. <laughs> Some base 1940s planters propaganda. That's but great. Post not clarity for twenty dollars Canadian. Twenty dollars Canadian. Yeah. Oh, Canadian. <laughs> there you go. Uh, can't listen due to work, but I wanted to ask Gio what is the agenda for when you finally meet Prude? A little game of scope or briscola followed by a light meal. Prosciutto <laughs> <laughs> with melon. Melon and a nice uh, Happy Lent to you both. Uh, well, whenever the Americans finally. Whenever the American government soon, finally actually. stops allowing the non-vaccinated to come into the country, I think May. May. When are I think this. On? Yeah, you said it's U.S. Been, like, travel restrictions. Lifting in May. Three COVID. Um. Entry restrictions. Yeah, that's what I want. Um. I think they said May. They're going to get rid of all of them. Well, the House voted to end it as well, but yeah. Um, let's see what travelinglifestyle.net. Thank you so much. Um, let's see here. February 8th. Um, well, that passed a bill, but that hasn't done anything. Um, there's not been really anything that has changed it that I can see on this news. Hold on. I know the house voted to do it, but I mean, I don't know if you guys can still come in. I think they said May they're going to get rid of the travel restrictions. Well, if that's the case, Gio, then I will happily find a place to, yeah. to meet up IRL. They, like, they say even now, like, they don't ask you anymore, the Americans. Well, you should don't probably care. Find... They don't give a shit. But uh, in Canada, I can come back, though, because they don't care about that, uh, the can app anymore. Oh, good. Yeah. So I can go to back to Canada. <laughs> Let's see here. Um, Luthemplar for $5 US, our good friend over at the Restoration Bureau says, oh, yeah. I can do paintings, and he does a look. Uh, Did you know the English are possibly the first people to paint their own civilization as future ruins for others to find? Really, eh? Really. I didn't know that. Hmm. What, do you, what does he mean by that? that yeah, I would like more... Uh... <laughs> Expand on that. Elaborate, David Lynch. No. Because, like, the English... um their painting traditions very like not very different, but they well, certainly different than the Italians. I mean, I think that's why watercolor like caught on in England more than like even oils because I mean, yeah, they, there's a lot of great English and Scottish painters, but the watercolor I feel is like the British medium because of the particularities of the landscape and the moodiness of them. You know what I mean? Of the English countryside. Yeah. Um, even like the way that the way that Turner approached the landscape and the seascape, look like venturing obviously to Italy multiple times, uh, the way that he, you know, abstracted the the landscape, the way he even put in elements, you know, of you know, very much like celebrating the you know, modernism, painting trains, painting industrial works, 
Uh, there's an English Englishness to it. Of course, the British never had very well developed. Uh, was it they never had very well developed symphonies because they just let the Germans basically make all their music? I forget if that if that's true or not. But um, yeah, I mean, if if uh, if Cringe Walker wants to uh, expand comment, on this, I would like. Yeah. yeah, I would love to know more. But until then, Paul Moosefoot for 199 US says, who is the anonymous men puppeteering JPB? Uh, I can't say it on YouTube. Yeah, I can't say it on YouTube. So that gives you a pretty good ben idea. Ben Shapiro. <laughs> ben Shapiro. No, the Wendigo that possessed him. That's who's puppeteering him. Probably some uh, agents of a Israeli deep state. Who knows? Who knows? I'm surprised. It's, it is <laughs> funny how he like grew to prominence, though. Just like, go to I, just go to Charles Johnson's Substack. I'm sure he's got a point about the Daily Wire. You know what's funny, isn't it? Like, like how how much money is it to go to a Jordan Peterson lecture now? Like, still pretty expensive. No, I think it's like three hundred dollars or something for the cheap seats. No, I paid ninety dollars to see the Zizek debate. I, I got off with the steel, man. Oh, you went to it. Yeah, I told you this. I went to it. Yeah, I live tweeted it. Shit, now I gotta go, like, find your tweets. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but, you know, who knows? Man, it's it's a lot of money, though, I heard. Well, he's on tour, right? Or mm. JTB speaking tour. He's always on money. He's always on tour. Events. Jordan Peterson. Okay, so he's got events. Remaining ones. He's got... Well, that one already passed. So let's take a look here. He's got one... And let's just take Tulsa. Well, this one already, well, that one already passed. So let's go to one that hasn't happened yet, which will be March 8th in Tampa Bay, Florida. Um, Accept and continue. Really? Well, let's see here. The ones closest to the stage, if I were to, well, most of them are already sold out. Um, But say close to it would be, Hundred and twenty five dollars and seventy five really, cents eh? plus fees. I don't think he's that expensive, but I mean, I don't know how much the front. The front I remember was like off. seeing a tweet about his like how expensive he is. Like I remember the tweet was like three hundred dollars or something like that. I wouldn't be surprised. Yeah, but yeah, I mean, yeah, even that's like a hundred, hundred thirty five dollars if you want to get closer to where the mix is, the sound mixer. Interesting. Well, hmm. I don't think I would bad. ever go to one of those events, but you know. no, I just went because of like it was like the debate, right? They didn't, he didn't even him and Zizek didn't even like sign anything after, like they just pieced it. It was well, a bummer. I'd, that sucks. Yeah, fishy frenzy for five pounds. When will the Haddis of Mika Breaker <laughs> be on, covered on Digital Archipelago? Maybe, maybe we'll, if we find if, if Fishy, if you can DM me a good archive of Mika Graper's tweets. Is he back though, or is he never coming back to Twitter? Maybe if, if Fishy, are you still there? Uh, tell me if Mika is back on Twitter. I know he was like long knife enjoyer for a little bit, <laughs> but um, no, not the Carl. He had like another account that was like mimicking Carl's. Yeah, cause, yeah, because the Carl's bad social experiment was a resounding success. I, I like Mika Groiper, like just some takes I didn't like, you know, but yeah, Mika isn't on Twitter anymore. Um, I know Smeed and Earth Rabbit came back. I don't know if Carl's Battle ever come back, but I'm um, sure Martin is very happy to know that Smeed is back. Yeah, Twitter Spaces co host is here. I like Smeed. Uh. I, maybe I, like, I shouldn't admit that in public, but... I, I like their spaces. I've had no problem yeah. with them. 
I uh, wanted to interview Smee. Maybe maybe I could Martin could tell Martin to put in a good word for me. <laughs> That'd be terrible. I shouldn't. I don't know. Um, <laughs> save for DMs. Save it for DMs. Uh, Melon. Hail Lord Smee. Or Smee must space. Uh, Melon for two dollars says, "Has Geo ever heard of the Beaver poster?" Yes. If the, is that the? Is that? It's Jay Burden's thing. Jay Burden's thing. And uh Blah posting. And, and Cody Browning sort of that's their it? that's their great yeah. mascot. It's great. It's fantastic. How did they how did they end up on the beaver? Oh, because there was that viral video. I think we talked about this a couple episodes ago, but there was that viral video of this like shit lib couple or whatever keeping beavers as pets, and the beaver just instinctually started building a dam and Cody just took that as oh, like an yeah. HPD shit post, and it's just yeah. basically become oh, Beaver Poster is an anon. Oh, well, no, I don't know who Beaver Poster. I don't know who Beaver Poster is then. Beaver Weird. Poster. Is it true, Nikki, that the 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 Italian mafia they're getting picked apart? I can't believe that, man. That's terrible. Is the Camorra still powerful? Didn't they have like the GDP of Fiat at one point? The Camorra. Mm. No idea. Did you see Zizek was in Compact Mag? I saw that, yeah. It was a pretty good article. But apparently, the reason that Zizek is transphobic is because he didn't read uh, Mao's critique of uh, Ingalls. <laughs> according according to Ulysses, yeah. Um, beaver poster made long format posts with a beaver. He's from Quebec. I tweeted Gio with a screen cap. Oh, perfect. Well, we nice. can go find out more about that. Um because, yeah, I would love to know more. <laughs> uh, the Mafia destroyed... Yeah, I heard the Mafia took a lot of hits in Australia. There, was, well, there used to be a big Italian Mafia presence in Australia. All right. They used to get that China White from uh, from Asia, from Bali, you know? But there was, a, there was actually a miniseries about that. Uh, no, I mean, there was like a series... Um, the one season covered that famous criminal in Australia and it was played, I think, what was his name? Benji. Um, it was actually played by the guy who was in All Saints. Um, mm. Yeah. You know what's funny is that every cop show in Australia, they have a horny Italian guy as a cop. I feel like that's required. Yeah. It's the last, <laughs> it's the last bit of, that. it's the last bit of diversity hiring. I've watched quite a bit of Australian shows. Um, Man, that's terrible. But uh, anyways, more Super Chats? or uh... Let me check Entropy. Right, let me refresh that real quick. And then we'll be probably good to go, because I think that's it for Super Chats. Mm. Yeah, I think that is it. Okay. Well, Gio, what do you have going on? Well, I'm hopefully this week I'll come out with that article, and I'm trying to debate what content minded to release. Either a Pocket Crew Menon's, or Scott Mannion's. Uh, maybe Scott Mannion's will release. Um, and yeah, other than that, next week, maybe we'll review the uh, Daily Wire films on my channel. So I am torrenting them right now. Yeah. So uh, probably, you... that'll be fun to watch this weekend. I'm not going to lie. <laughs> I can't believe they casted Vincent Gallo as a non-drug addict. <laughs> I can't believe that. Um, oh, but you interviewed um, who the first gentleman whose name I can never pronounce. Apoke Krumenin. Yeah, he's the uh, 
in the hidden things, right? His Substack. No, it's a uh, po- yeah. His Substack is uh just I believe yeah I believe that's his name, Apache Kumenin. Yeah, yeah. He, he writes about um. We talk about Carl Schmidt and other things that he's written. So I'll have <laughs> him on again too. He's pretty interesting. Oh, I like him a lot. He comments quite often on my Substack, and I really appreciate. Yeah, because he left Twitter. Um, he I likes really he loves like you, his man. stuff. Well, yeah, I need to have him on one of these days. But yeah, oh, yeah, I'll put in a good word. He's a good guy. I just he's been commenting a lot more on my Substack as of late, and I was just like really thankful because like he's a much bigger account than I am in regards to Substack mm-hmm. stuff. So I was like, oh, well, that's very nice. That's because he left Twitter. Oh. He's got time. I will be leaving Twitter as of this coming Monday on the 27th. Really? So, well, I, I said I was giving Twitter up for Lent. So. Oh, there you go. Um, Look I, at I, this. God's, God, sorry to interrupt you, Prude, but I can't let this slip. Brown Bunny is a fucking Kino film. I, I will ban you, God's Dominatrix. How dare you say that? Brown Bunny is true. Like, I can't Brown listen. Bunny, Me and Kino Corner... Go to the content by McKino Corner. We review Brown Bunny. It is one of the only films that really, truly expresses male loneliness. Okay? Oh, God. It's a Vincent Gallo film. It's one of his only films, a, yeah. It's a mixed bag. Oh, no. He's done He's done quite a few. I can't believe you, God's dumb age. Anyway, sorry. I cut you off pretty. You're giving up. No, 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 You're no, giving no, up no. on Lent? Well, for Twitter, I didn't want to be on Twitter as much. So I'm yeah. going to figure out a system. To where I can still share what I am, what I'm doing, but I'm not going to do it. So I think I need to find and ask Dave what sort of bot he used to sort of auto tweet his stuff from Telegram to Substack, that's or what, from Telegram to Twitter. That you know, it's funny because that's what AA does with Telegram. It's all basically just his Twitter feed. Yeah. yeah. Damn, this is a long stream. Oh, I should have been here for the last <laughs> one where we hit three plus hours after. Yeah, man. With no super chats. Yeah, with Dave we did uh with Dave hours. we did almost four hours. We almost hit that magical unpopular opinions number. Did you like that did you like my my title from the pre recorded? The the Jimmy thing. Cool, I thought that was Jimmy. funny. Yeah. Cause yeah, I was gonna ask you what were we gonna name this stream on air? Look, look at look at record. It's funny record demons because it's it's with God's dumb matrix. Geo, hey fruit, stop getting so heated also Geo, I will ban you. <laughs> Oh man, I just I love the Brown Bunny. It's a great film. I like Chloe Sevigny. Sevigny. Well, I hate it, is the, the, it is the year of the rabbit. Yeah. So, Chloe Sevigny was good in, in uh, Boys Don't Cry, and Chloe Sevigny <laughs> was. Uh, I never watched the Mormon show. What was your? What was it called? Big Love. My mom used to watch that. Big Love. The Mormon American show. drama series about polygamy. Bill Paxton is the patriarch of a Mormon. Yeah, I yeah. did not watch that. Well it's, said, Chloe. It's all right. From 2006 to 2011. Wow, that had a long time. Five seasons. Yeah, Good Lord. I'm on season six of uh, The Shield. So finally. Uh, oh, but last but not least, Spasticus Autisticus for two pounds. Sneed. Sneed. Sneed, you say? What do you have coming up this Saturday? Oh, we have Lomez. I am interviewing Lomez. This- oh my god, he changed his profile. <laughs> I love when he does that. I love this little guy. <laughs> no, it's literally about geopolitics. I love it. Ah, stop! You're being mean now. <laughs> Come on, say it, say it. And no. Then you say- no, no. 
what, what was the other one with with Giga Chad? I, that's I the only one I remember. If there was more memes that Pip I think made. I did one. Say the word. I love this little frog. I forget the one I did. I have to look it up. Uh, but I should change I forget my profile half the, picture to this every time we do. Uh, you know, people Super save Jack. their threads. I forget half the threads I wrote. I don't do a lot of threads. I'm not a thread. Yeah, you don't this, is, this is why I'm terrible at Twitter. I need to get back to threads. But like, I don't do threads because I just like like doing the short blog post on Telegram. That's why you have to follow my Telegram. I'm also at 5K on my channel on YouTube. So formerly Chucks. There you go for Bitten Anthropologist. I said it. There you go. Formerly Chucks. Um, so please subscribe if you haven't. Janet Productions. Right there in the title. Janet Productions. <laughs> I, I'm so... You know, I, I, I'll... You gotta... Like, listen... The only way I will not be pissed is if I do eventually get to 1K, 10K one day. Then I'll probably let go of the fact that I built up, a, you know, a channel to 10K. And then <laughs> you'll get I there. Know. You'll get okay, there. Hopefully you're almost there. Yeah, I'm getting uh, this year. I will be I'm aiming at by the end of 2023. I hope to be at 15K. Maybe you'll hopefully get to it by the summer. I'm hoping for it. Uh, yeah. So as for announcements on my end, I am record. It'll be a pre-recorded conversation. It won't be live, but I'll be recording ah, with Lomez tomorrow or on Saturday. Um, I will also be recording tomorrow some stuff for patrons um, to keep up my obligations of both article reviews and some lengthier Substack stuff coming in in the future. I will probably... Um, I have some notes I've started taking on a very long-winded BoJack Horseman rant that I feel is long overdue. No. Because that received some positive comments uh, when we talked about it last week. So I'm going to do that probably the same as well. I'm going to give a long recorded rant in the same way that you did your Walking Dead talk. Nice! Yeah! Uh, as for that, I'm currently reading Buildings and Power uh, by Thomas Marcus. And then I need to schedule with a dime so we can finally have our discussion about that Fun, fun book. Uh, what went wrong? The creation and collapse of the Black Jewish Alliance. Uh, nice. So that'll be a fun. I don't oh, know yeah, where. This... I don't know where we're going to stream that or record yeah. that. Where that's going to go? But Odyssey that'll exclusive. Fun. That'll probably be an Odyssey exclusive or paywall. Yeah. Oh, Substack, you get away with it. Yeah, publicly. I probably can. Well, they'll probably be an hour free, and then the full yeah. thing. Yeah. Uh, and I then do. after that, I'm actually going to be talking. So this will be a fun announcement. I guess I'll give it here. Um, I'm going to be talking with the guys over at New Founding next week, probably on Tuesday. Nice. Um, I haven't, I'm going to probably be talking to Santiago and a few others over there because there's some opportunities that I think is important about, we, we talk about building all the time. These guys are trying to build a job opportunity and talent network to connect people to non-ideologically captured jobs and businesses and things like that. So, that's a plan that we want to do. And, um, well, I live in Texas, so I thought, why not visit them? So we may do the talk in person. Um, if mm. not, it'll be just over live, but I'll keep you guys updated and abreast on that. But I think that these guys are doing something good. Nice. So yeah, more, more on that to come, but those are just some announcements for now. Oh, I have a big announcement. Go for it. Oh yeah. My book deal. But, uh, no, uh, this this Saturday actually, I'm <laughs> finally recording with Chad Westernhart, and Brennan Hurd. So hopefully, it won't be too much of a bloodbath. So <laughs> no, it'll be good. It'll be good. It'll oh, be isn't good. this the long-standing thing that you and Astral have been on about? Yes. Yeah, <laughs> it's no, but like we've like it's funny because last year, me and Chad Westernhart were like, okay, we should do this, 
but then I don't know something just kept getting in the way and oh and uh, disgrace propagandist put out your uh, episode. Oh, he finally did. Okay, yeah, and the picture nice. he uses is something else. Uh, yeah. I don't know. I don't know where the cover art came from or who did it, but it's something else. Uh, okay, <laughs> okay, he okay he shared a tweet. Um, or I think it's he did some AI thing. Yeah. So, wow. If you what? Wow. The, oh my god! Like this is this is oh nuts. My... Hold on. Let me let me see if I can share it on screen real quick. Yeah. Let's go put this on. I'm not going to share the audio, but look at that. Look at that. That's crazy. That's insane. That's could be like the, the picture that someone would use for like a, you know, pod (laughs) uh, playlist. when you're like a a 16th century Ottoman that, you know, has coming up with new ideas. I I look like a Turk here. (laughs) You got the Fez. It makes sense. Oh, that's insane. Look at that. Look at that. Oh, I have to promote. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, my God. Henry VIII energy. That's too good. That's too good. Oh, so good. All right, ladies and gents, we will see you all next week at Geo's channel. I think we're doing the movie reviews. Yep. Daily Wire films. Yep. Three Daily Wire movies. Uh, Prude and Geo go to the movies is back. Nice. Yeah, when was the last time we went to the movies? Uh, I think the last time we went to the movies is when we reviewed... Well, we reviewed Rain not too long ago. Oh, yeah, Skin of Marie. We did it last week. Yeah, sorry. 45 minutes. (laughs) That was pretty good. That was a good episode. That was a lot of fun. I don't think I've laughed that much on the show for that episode. Yeah, that was hilarious. Uh, Good times were had by all. I'm stuck. Oh man, all laughs edition. All laughs edition. Yeah. All right, well, we'll see you guys next week. All right, ciao. See you, gents. God bless. Goodbye. Too sweet.